We are coming at you all the way live today. I am your host, Lev Polyakov at Lefpo on Twitter. We got the one and only fezzed up and revved up Giovanni Penichetti, who we're hopefully going to smuggle out of the Canada and we got the, the Canada. And we also have the great Armand Demelensky joining us once again. Pleasure to see you again, Armand. And we've got Gordon McGill, a trucker who is a refugee from Canada, if that's one way of putting it, I guess. Uh, and you were you were part of the uh, freedom convoy that was occurring. And what I want to do this stream is I this is not like a debate or anything of that sort. What I want to get into here is uncovering what the truth is so that we could best understand each other and see where exactly some of us may go wrong. But it will be a debate. Wrong... Don't no, it won't be a debate. No, because look, I, I respect oh. everybody's opinion and what BTR is about is bringing all the opinions in here and seeing where are certain things unclear. So, Gord, I would love for you to start just to uh, tell us your story what happened as far as you were able to see it. And then I would love to hear from Armand, because I know that, Armand, you were pushing back a little bit on uh, certain things that were going up in Canada. So I would definitely love to hear your response. And once again, guys, subscribe, subscribe, and subscribe. And also be sure to click the like button. Add the like right now. This is extremely important that you add a like to this video because it keeps BTR growing as well as clicking the bell. Do that right now and I guarantee you will not go wrong. I also want to announce we're going to have a uh, conversation not with but about Bronze Age Pervert on Thursday with Zero HP Lovecraft and the special guest Aeon oh, Animus. For that so, one. My God. so get ready for that. So anyway, uh, Gord, take it away. Um, <clears throat> hi, everybody. Um, thank you for having me on, Lev. Uh, pleasure to be here in such esteemed company. Um, my name is Gordon McGill. Um, I've somehow become something of a cheerleader slash minor spokesperson for the Freedom Convoy. Um, I had a little tiny Twitter account where I was discussing trucking issues previously to uh, the Freedom Convoy COVID regime. I've been a truck driver for 25 years. I've driven truck in Canada, the U.S., Australia, New Zealand. Um, my family has been in trucking forever. My dad, both my uncles drove truck. My grandpa drove truck. My grandpa drove a Sherman tank across Europe to get rid of the Nazis. Um, so it's sort of in my blood. And uh, I guess what happened is uh, I, I went home to Ottawa to express solidarity for this freedom convoy uh, coming to the city. And I like posted some, you know, live videos to my Twitter feed and I spoke with a lot of people in Ottawa and I went home and <clears throat> uh, the media smear campaigns and disinformation engine began in earnest. And I was asked by uh, Newsweek magazine to write an article talking about my experience in Ottawa and what I thought about what was happening with the media's representation of it. Uh, I, I wrote an article for them. I've since written a second one. I have a third one that's being edited right now and perhaps might come out tomorrow. Um, that first article I wrote for Newsweek uh, landed on the desk of Laura Ingraham at Fox News, who asked me to be on Fox uh, two Fridays ago. I appeared on Fox. The next day, my Twitter account was canceled because um, <laughs> my other Twitter account from a year and a half ago got canceled because of, I believe, either the things I was saying about the trucking industry or my association with Amy Terrace. Take your pick. 
Um, oh, friend of the show. Yes, I, I, I was I was I was vigilante removed from Twitter, and then vigilante removed from Twitter again. Um, just the political hit jobs, clear cut, and um, here I am. Here you are. Well, the theory was that your Twitter account was nuked either because you went on Fox News, which is more likely, or I think you got into it that day with who is that one Chapo Ironist, the the Sturgeon guy, Sturgeon Law. I think it was some like Chapo Ironist that you got into it with. I remember. Mm. Um, well, yeah. I, I I quote tweeted a few people over the last couple of weeks because there's you know you know how like an issue comes up and then you have all these like leftoids and commentariat people that have to have a take on it, but they actually have no idea what they're doing. Like they're not subject matter <laughs> experts. They're not connected to it in any way. And I have the benefit of being a subject matter expert on this. So I just like quote tweeted a bunch of people, you know, that guy, um, that G here dude from the nation. Oh God. This, 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 this crazy woman from Canada named Nora Laredo, who was basically a racist and is most famous for having dragged the victims of the Humboldt bus crash because they were white. Um, you know, there's just there's just all these people that haven't got a goddamn clue what they're talking about. And I do. So all I do is just like, you know, quote, tweet them either in jest or point out the error of their ways. And then I collect enemies. Mm. Well, let's uh, well, this is a stream of peace. We have no enemies here. And this is why <laughs> I would love to uh, get Armand's take of uh, Armand. What would you say would be some of the negative impressions that you've had of this uh, whole thing? And I would love for you and uh, Gordon to uh, talk about this. Sure. Um, I'll say on Sturgeon's Law. I think Sturgeon's Law is a parody account. Um, I it is? It maybe, oh, or at least they do parody stuff. Like, they're, I looked them up in Chapo, for example, there's a tweet about, like, Palestine. is very clearly them being ironic, but I don't know. Some of these people are so far down the rabbit hole, you can't kind of tell if they're being serious or not. Um, but anyway, like, you know, obviously I support everybody's right to peacefully protest. Like, you can express your opinion. Um, I don't believe that it's right that you block entire economies like transportation infrastructure, you shut down roads. If you don't want to get vaccinated and don't want to oh. drive trucks. Armand, remember before oh. the stream we said, <laughs> sorry, don't use the V word. Oh, right. Sorry. No problem. Um, yeah, it's all right. I think yeah. we can let one or two slip. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah. But uh, it's funny that it's so like I'm pro it, but even that is still, yeah, but it's the algorithm. There's nothing yeah. we can do. Yeah. Um, you could say, you could say like yeah I think you could say can you say jab I think you could say jab yeah I've heard other YouTubers say it so. yeah remember that cartoon Jabberjaw the shark anyway Armand go on last for the past yeah um, there are specific rules about like you can't cross the US Canadian border if you're not vaccinated or if you don't quarantine um there are plenty of international rules around customs and trade that people have had to abide by for a long time. They're both set by the U.S. and by Canada. And, like, no one is forcing an injection into your arm. But if you want to drive and potentially spread diseases around the country, like, you should get vaccinated. So you're, 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 are, are you arguing this as, like, a devil's advocate? Or do you actually no. believe this nonsense? Believe this. <laughs> All right. Well, let me, let, let me, help, let me clarify some mm. things for you. Just no, no V word, Armand. Uh, I don't want to risk the algorithm. No Fed posting or yeah, no uh, Fed posting. Right. Yes. So um, until January fifteenth of two thousand and twenty twenty two, for the past two years of this pandemic, 
Truck drivers have been considered the most essential of essential workers and have worked their bags off to keep the economy going while the pajama class and the email job case hit at home lest they catch Wuhan plague. Now, at this late hour, Trudeau invoked this mandate for truck drivers crossing the border. What has happened as of January 2022? The uh, Omicron... uh, We have seen that the Omicron variant is basically impervious to the uh, sacrament. We have seen that the sacrament does not prevent transmission of the virus at all. And we have also seen the inversion of this meme of we love our essential workers. Well, you loved us for two years, and now all of a sudden you don't just because a small number, well, not a small number, it's estimated between anywhere between 18 and 30,000 Canadian truck drivers are affected by this. So you're just going to throw them out of work because they didn't bend the knee and they didn't bend the knee after all of these conditions I've just laid out to you, which would suggest that it's pretty much unnecessary. There has not been a single study on God's green earth, which has shown that truck drivers spread the virus more than anybody else. Like, And if you're going to do something like this, if you're going to impose this mandate, then you must also impose it on anybody driving a car back and forth over the border. You must impose it on anyone flying on an airplane or coming on any other conveyance. But like, it, it, it was specific and targeted by Trudeau and by Biden. And it's affected at least 18 to 30,000 people in the U.S., Never mind all the American truck drivers who can now not enter the Canadian market. Also, we've had a supply chain crisis now for years that like existed before Wuhan plague came along. And that's been exacerbated by all of this. And like we've seen freight rates go through the roof and the cost to consumers in Canada for all kinds of goods they're buying increase because of this mandate, because they just can't get enough guys to do the work. And the guys that are available are just making bank off of it. So, like, what's the point of this? If there's no rationality behind imposing this mandate, what is it then? Most people view it correctly for what it is, and that's punishment for failure to comply. All so, right. Armand, I guess the claim that... Yeah, go yeah. ahead, Armand. Then, yeah. No, no, you can ask. Go ahead. No, just to re- reiterate, um, I guess the point being is that now that we have the uh, the oh my come variant, um, <laughs> upset language. Um, it, now that sort of in terms of the spreadability of the um, the the coof, that these sort of mandates don't really make a lot of sense and needlessly add to the pressures on the global economy, but also pressures on people's ordinary lives. And a lot of them are being lifted now. Well, maybe not. Well, in country, anyways. Uh, so, well, how would you rebut to that specific point? That's something that is like a really, I feel like people aren't able to think about medicine and science outside of binaries. It's like, it works or it doesn't. It doesn't do this or it does do this. And it's so simplified and it's bullshit. If you look at, one just came out today of a new study of there's a reduction in hospitalization of 99% from Omicron cases for people with the three full course of the mRNA vaccine. From Moderna. Again, Armand, uh, Armand, Armand yeah. you got to use the Creole here. Right. Yeah, sacrament. Yes. Um, or jab yeah, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Whatever, yeah. <laughs> but also, it does reduce transmission. One, you are less likely to get it. But two, when you do get it, because your immune system is fighting it, you have less symptoms and you're sort of... Dude, I have fucking R of 0.09%. Oh, All right. Our, our... Well, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, sorry, Armand, finish your point, and then yeah. Gordon yeah. will go back. Yeah. So there's that. But also, you're kind of making a wrong argument to the wrong person, Gord, because frankly, you're like, well, we should do it for airlines, too. I'm like, yeah, we should. We should do it for people who interact with the public and could spread diseases. Yeah, we should. Like, every kid has to get shots at school. Like, it's oh, not my a God. Are, are we going to are we going to bring up this like uh, tested over many decades viruses versus this new gene therapy thing again? Like, I'm, I'm not. No, dude, I'm not doing this. Like, you have a there's a balance. There's a, there's a balance of risk here. And we're, we're turning Canadian society upside down. This is not even about the virus anymore. Have you noticed that Justin Trudeau has not said a thing about COVID for weeks now? Nobody's talking about COVID anymore. <coughs> Two weeks. There, there was some right there. <laughs> Two weeks into the... Well, yeah, I've, had a, I've had a cold that won't go away because I've been doing nothing but talking for the last three weeks. Mm. <coughs> Two weeks into the protest in Ottawa, there was an article that came out that said, COVID hospitalizations and COVID case numbers in the city of Ottawa area hospitals are the lowest they've been since the beginning of the pandemic. And that's after hundreds you know of really protesters. The United States. And do you know where the truckers are going? Into the United States. There's no, there's no, Gentlemen, hold, hold on, hold on. Well, first of all, one at a time. This second is fire. Of all, You're in a blood sport. It, it is fire. But <laughs> second of all, what I think is very important to establish here is let's try to do some steel manning. So, Armand, okay. if we're talking about this not being black and white, which I agree with you on, the question is, what are the unintended consequences as far as economy, as far as health having to do with uh, other things that people end up having that, uh, how do I say this properly? As far as just not being able to even uh, go out, see their loved ones, if we're talking about mental health, if we're talking about all of these things that, you know, are have been incredibly damaging. Again, economic costs do translate to health costs as well, as far right. as people being able to take care of one another. So how much is the damage, especially in Canada, going to be there? That's number one. And number two, what I would love to see steel man, if, if possible, is... What are the consequences of the government being able to squash down as much as Canada's government well, has we'll, been we'll able get to into, on that? Um, we'll, yes. we'll get into the... Yeah, that would, yeah, that would be the second part. Yeah, but the first part would be more of what are these uh, other ramifications that uh, scientists who I would say, if their concern is what do we specifically do about this one variable, they may not be considering all the other variables, including the economic variables. You, have to, you have to zoom out and take a holistic approach to all this. You can't just be like, oh, no, you know, uh, uh, this small number of people are possibly going to get sick from this and an even smaller number of people are going to die, especially when the numbers are going down everywhere. Like, and, and, and the, thing about the, the thing about the freedom convoy that I discovered, like, right from the word go, is it's not even really about the truckers anymore. Canadian society has had enough of the COVID regime, have had enough of their lives being interrupted, have had enough of not being able to travel anywhere. Because remember, un under Trudeau, you cannot get on a bus get on an airplane or go or basically make use of any public transport. If yeah, you I can show, yeah. show a vaccine passport. Like this is a papers, please society. As I mentioned in the intro, my grandfather drove a Sherman tank for the Canadian army across Europe to fucking blow up Nazis. What did they do? They imposed a papers, please regime on Europe. And I'm not fucking standing for it. And all these 
scientism fucking nerds that want to like turn my society upside down over a, the, uh, the marginal effects of a virus can suck my fucking dick. Well, also, <laughs> so Armand, as far as the authoritarianism that Gord was mentioning over here, do you see the same potential uh, dangers here? And again, I'm not even just talking about this specific incident with the jab, but I'm talking in general what kind of precedence all this is uh, setting. You know, the same people who wanted to send in tanks because black people were protesting that they were getting shot by cops are suddenly so afraid because bank accounts are getting frozen and they're politely getting arrested. Like, the, all, for all the talk... A lot of, of it was... False, 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 false equivalence and evidence oh, not question. So. You're trying to drag other protests into this to try and tire the people who've spoken nothing about that. Wait, wait, Gord, let's, let's this is, this is point not, then. This is, like, this is nonsense Ooh. media tactics. Mm -hmm. Well, okay, Armand, finish your point. So you were saying no, about... Like every society at a certain point, even when you have peaceful protests, if those protests overwhelm an economy, shut down roads, prevent society from functioning, you have to be able to shut it down. I agreed at a certain point when protests in the summers got too far and started burning stuff down and everything, I wasn't going to say, yeah, just let it burn. Obviously not. And even if I agree with your cause, Gord, like, at a certain point, like you've made your point. And then, like, we still have to keep moving as a society. Okay, well, we have. And, and, and the funny thing is, is the, 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 thing, the thing that set the world on fire now in the last week is that Trudeau has invoked this Emergencies Act, right? The day he invoked it, all of the border crossings were open. Right? right, so like the from, from week before, right? For that's when they cleared out a week before. Well, no, not not necessarily a week. Like he invoked it on a Monday. Um, the Sunday previous to it, the Ambassador Bridge was cleared. The blockade yeah, yeah, yeah. at the Blue Water Bridge was cleared. The blockade at Coots was open at Monday. All of these, all of these blockades and protests, except the one in Ottawa, were gone the day that Trudeau invoked the Emergencies Act. So, like, if we want to talk about like you know trade carrying on and people being able to like do whatever, it was done. It's already been done. And as far as Ottawa goes, all of the trucks parked on the streets in Ottawa. Nobody was standing in front of a door saying, you can't open your business. There's lots of people saying, well, we couldn't mm -hmm. open our business. You only didn't open your business because you were in fear. And there was plenty of other businesses who were open, who did service the truckers, and who were doing just fine. Like, people were captured by their own fear. On the streets of Ottawa, every single street, a lane was left open for emergency vehicle travel and for people to get around. And, like, Parliament kept sitting. Wellington Street, where the main body of the protest was, is right in front of Parliament Hill. Parliament met every day, basically, for the last few weeks, except Friday when Trudeau conveniently said, well, you know, uh, I don't want anybody to have to vote on this Emergencies Act today, so I'm going to invoke the fact that the police are moving in on the protesters today to put off Parliament meeting until the following week. How Can I convenient. Can wait, I wait, I, wait I, have a quick, the... I have a quick question wait, that I want to ask Gord first. So uh, one of the things that Armand was mentioning was a blocking of uh, trade routes. Was that indeed the case or no if we're talking about the way that the trucks were positioned in Ottawa, out of Ottawa? Were supplies, like as far as medicine, things of that nature, was that still able to go through to the people who uh, needed it at the, yeah, at the well, time? The, the, so the, the Ambassador Bridge wasn't actually blocked. What was blocked were the approach, this was the approach to it on the Windsor side. And they only blocked two lanes. So it was never like blocked as such. It was just oh, I didn't know down, it was just slowed down quite a bit. And I know you guys are a bit younger than me, but I will have you remember 9-11 took place, obviously, September 11th, 2001. 
and the United States government effectively closed the borders on the Mexico side and the, and the Canadian side, and trucks were stuck for days and days and days, and nobody could get over the border, and the same thing happened. You had your auto parts plant, your automotive plants run out of parts, all kinds of other factories ran out of supplies, like the, you know, the whole just-in-time nature of our, our economy and manufacturing processes was already in place, and 9-11 screwed it all up. Well, in the aftermath of that, governors and government represented other government representatives in U.S. states and the Canadian provinces got together, and they figured something out, and eventually U.S. Customs started working on things to get things moving because the result was the same, right? So, like, we've been here before, and, like, I, just, like people's memories are so short. Like, this was only 20 years ago, you know? <coughs> but I, I, I think that to go back to one point about the actual mandates, um, I would argue that, for example, someone like me who already had the uh, – the the A one, um, yeah. So the again, alpha. follow follow Gio's example here because I noticed both the of you guys were slipping there. Remember A Train? I think he's a trainer now at the the Performance Center for WWE. But he was a he was Jan Bernard in the New Japan. Anyways, I had the A Train one, and around the world we have in Europe and uh, certain places in America we have um, a recognition of people's uh, acquired immunity. And I think the fact that the Canadian government doesn't make an allowance for people as such, when we have studies now that are proving the sort of ro more robust nature of acquired immunity, I think that to me from the beginning was one of the fatal flaws of the planning of these restrictions. Uh, but I don't know, Armand, do you disagree? Or, uh, well, maybe, of course, you disagree. <laughs> well, what do you think about that point in particular about people who have had acquired immunity um, when it comes to these restrictions? The acquired immunity thing, I think, from a medical perspective, is legitimate. It's like a form of immunity. The only issue is just that it's would create. It's I don't know if it's something you can implement bureaucratically, like keeping it right. Meaning right. that. Oh wow! All of a sudden, being concerned about how things are implemented bureaucratically is now a big deal, huh? After two years. Yeah, surprisingly, I'm a complicated person who looks at things with nuance. Yeah. Well, well, of course, we'll but get it's, to all, the issue it's, all, the... it's all very convenient. I mean, this is the same thing the media has been saying about the protest in Ottawa. Oh, the citizens of Ottawa have been denied their regular lives because of this protest. The citizens of the entire fucking country have been denied their lives because of the COVID regime. Nobody talks about that. In Canada, right? Like every single, poll, every single poll indicates the vast majority of people in Canada don't agree with you. No, no, no. They've been changing, dude. The polls, and it depends on who you talk to, but like they the do polls, fluctuate. Yeah. There's been very, there's been a lot of fluctuations, and most of the polls indicate if they do not explicitly support the freedom convoy, they they. Uh, have been increasing in their support of the idea of ending the mandates. And remember, the Freedom Convoy is not like Occupy Wall Street or BLM or anything. We have two demands, two and two only, an end to all of these vaccine mandates, provincially and federally, and an end to the requirement of anybody coming into Canada to have this Arrive Can app thing put on their phone, because that's the first step towards a biomedical surveillance state invading your private health information and making you carry it around with you, i.e. a papers, please society. That's it. That's the only demands they've had. There's no wanting to overthrow the government. This is the problem. Yeah, where did they come up with that? I mean, I guess just, maybe... they made it up out of whole cloth. Yeah. The, gover the, the government and their media have been lying about the intentions of the Freedom Convoy. And as always, and, and this is something that people on the left should know. 
throughout history, leftist movements against wars for civil rights, for all kinds of um, uh, uh, projects have often been dismissed in the media by the sort of fringe elements that attach themselves to all of these things, right? And now the same thing is happening with the Freedom Convoy. So they look at this guy named Pat King. Pat King was disavowed by the organizers weeks ago. He's a wingnut. Who cares what he has to say? The one guy with a swastika flag, there's video of him being chased out by the other protesters, being accosted. He's got a balaclava on and police issue boots. He's glowing so hard you could probably see him from Pluto. (laughs) He's going under the elephant's foot. (laughs) Yet yet Trudeau continues to invoke this guy to tar the entire movement, to to tar millions of Canadians who've supported. Well, I, I, oh, 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 I, like, I do want to get I do want to get Armand's take on that yeah, particular yeah, thing because yeah. I noticed that that was something that was brought up a lot in the media. So Armand, can we? Uh, at there least were people agree that like there they is, were using uh, the Nazi thing yeah. to like say that Trudeau is a Nazi, not yeah. that they support yeah, yeah. national socialism. But Armand, I mean, could, could, could we at least have, agree on this aspect been, of it? That, yeah. that I mean, there's a lot of protests. There's always going to be like weirdos who show up to these things. And yeah, that's true. Shit. And that's what the media focuses on. That's true. It's headline. And so I don't like. There are cases where it's like very obviously like I've seen protests where it's like, yeah, everybody's like the Charlottesville thing, they had tiki torches and we're yelling Jews in more places. So that's not like a couple of people. That was very clear, like a lot of races. The Canadians, yeah. like, I, well, you know, I, I don't think the majority of them were like far right. You know? No, but the problem is you might not think that. However, the actions of the media have been to talk nothing except that. And one of the problems. And, and, and like this, this goes back to like you know, you guys probably all know who Curtis Yarvin is, right? Oh yeah, yeah. So Yarvin is famous for saying one, one of his many things. He's famous for saying is that during the Soviet area that they had a state-driven media, and now we have a media-driven state, and so the media is driving the narrative, and like Trudeau and the Liberal Party and the NDP have like hitched their wagons to this thing even though what the media is saying is either misinformation, disinformation, omits a whole bunch of things, or is outright lies, right? And what another thing they're doing is they're missing the forest for the trees. Whatever happened to the idea of bodily autonomy, right? Like, the, this this small number of truck drivers that, like, don't want to take the, the sacrament should be free to not take the sacrament but also not coerced into being like, well, if you don't take it, you don't get to have a job. Like, this is fucking nonsense in a free society, especially after we've seen that it does not prevent transmission and does nothing against Omicron, and the numbers are going down, and this is going to fade into the background and become endemic, just like every other respiratory virus that's come before us in the past. Like, this is punishment. That's all it is. It's not punishment. Um, first of all, there were periods of time previously where it thought it was going away, it was getting lower, and then a new surge happened. The fact that it's going away now is great, and which means we need to just sustain the measures that work for a while. I actually want to go back to something somebody said earlier about, like, we need to keep lockdown and all that. It's like, again, it's not a binary thing. If anything, Omicron's demonstrated, it's that traditional sort of, like, lockdown stuff of, like, six feet distance and all that stuff, like non-pharmaceutical interventions is really not effective against Omicron because it's so contagious um, that I would not advocate for going back to like- 
Yeah, exactly. They and they've been demonstrated. Wait, but but Armand, you you still didn't answer the one important thing, which is while I agree with you what you just said right now, when it comes to even things that you would have advocated for times that you would have advocated for it, my question is still what about the unintended or maybe intended, depends on how you look at it, consequences of what ends up happening economically, what ends up happening psychologically to the people that were under that, and how do you weigh these things to the extent that you'd be okay with it? I mean, a good case, an example is like the reason there's a ton of truckers out with COVID right now in the U.S., I can't speak to the Canadian statistics, is a lot of them had COVID, a lot of them had Omicron. Um, there was a huge amount of people in January and in December of the U.S. who were like out of the workforce, even though they saw jobs, specifically because they were sick with Omicron. Like, I was out of the workforce for all of about three fucking days. Like, it's great to cite all of this, but what is the well, actual effect? Well, let's yeah, finish yeah, well, this point. Is, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. People are getting sick, and it's knocking them out of the workforce, and you have to weigh that against like some people not being able to work because they refuse to get the vaccine, and more people are getting out of work because they're sick. And so, vaccine is the most effective thing we have for it. It's a minor sacrifice. You're spending five minutes. No, it's not a minor sacrifice, motherfucker. It's your bodily autonomy. If you don't fucking shut the fuck up about this, I'm done. All right, no all right, hold on, 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 please, please, everybody, everybody come down, okay, so, but dude, dude, herd immunity, if you're into science, at what percentage does herd immunity take place, according to Trudeau's own fucking numbers, amongst truck drivers and amongst the entire population in Canada, we've reached it, he's trying to punish a small number of people who've made the choice for themselves to say no thank you, if you keep this fucking shit up, motherfucker, I'm walking. You're a cunt. Okay, walk. Oh all right, wait, God. wait, 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 please. All right, first of all, first of all, I want to go back to something that I think Armand did not answer. Because, Armand, you're talking about what you were talking about right now. What I was asking specifically was, can you steal, man, the unintended consequences that Gordon was speaking about? I know that you guys well, are not going to... the chat is yeah, on. I know, like... you guys, I know you guys are not going to agree on these particular things. So I say right now, let's drop them. What I want to focus on is, let's assume that we're not going to change anybody's uh, mind right now with these particular, like, uh, Bodily ide ideal autonomy. Done. Yes. Can yeah, I, okay. can I add wait, one wait, point though? Not, uh, not, not yet. Yeah, okay, well, yeah, sorry, I got to I, I got a question there. I'm on here. So regardless, I just don't want anyone to quit or feel. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, regardless, we got Armand, heated there. We got yes, heated. Let's just... Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Armand, regardless of however you may feel is the right path as far as uh, health goes, what I want to focus on right now solely, and please promise that we'll only focus on this, okay. solely focus on what are the potential unintended consequences of these policies being adopted a la the Patriot Act, where, for example, certain things come up, governments want these things to still exist, because they'll have more power over people from those things. I don't think that's a conspiracy. I think that's human nature. I think that's what happened after, uh, you know, after the, um, you know, that certain day on uh, the September. So the reason why I'm mentioning this is I think that Gordon is concerned about what are these effects that are going to last even after yeah. 2022 as far as the amount of power the government can exert. So what do you think of that? Well, when you say ask me to steal, man, what are you trying to... Steel I manning, know. I mean, try to see yourself in Gordon's shoes. Try to see yourselves in the shoes of a person who would be concerned about a lot of these government intrusions. And we'll ask the, the same of, of board as well, just to maintain yes. fairness. Yes. Uh, I think it's a 
especially given how broad like the emergency act is like i think it's a totally legitimate concern like i think that the way that it was used currently was correct and frankly like i was surprised but given how much anger and protest there was and talk about how they're never going to back down the fact that it like dissipated in a day was surprising to me and maybe true they need emergency powers act to do that and they just arrested them and then people dispersed but I think it is a very legitimate thing to be worried about a law that has such expansive powers and could be used for future things like the Patriot Act in America. The use of authorization of military force for like to invade Afghanistan, for example, has been used for a zillion other things since and is still on the books and basically gives like the president of the United States the unilateral power to just blow shit up anywhere. So like, I agree with that concern entirely and I think that I don't understand, for example, why they extended the emergency act after they seen that the protests had dispersed. And that's a really big red flag. It's not not that it was extended. The problem is, is that it was invoked on a Monday. They were supposed to vote on it on Friday. There's a process by which the emergency act is legitimized. Okay. And it has to go to the House of Commons, which is similar to the House of Representatives in the U.S., and then has to go to the Senate. Trudeau basically said Parliament's closed on Friday. They resumed debate on Sunday, voted on it Monday, which was yesterday. Now it goes to the Senate. So there's no extension yet, right? But the problem is, is it was very convenient of Trudeau to have it extended through the weekend so that he could have all these police forces come in and clear people out of Ottawa. And let, let us not forget the expanded police powers that Trudeau gave were abused immediately you know we've all seen the video of the rcmp mounted cops trample people in ottawa Uh, a reporter for rebel news was shot at point blank range with a tear gas canister like a grenade launcher type device um like this is unbecoming of a free society and how you deal with protesters right now you know I, i i get it that this happens all the time Right. Um, I'm not I'm not going to argue that. But like the Emergencies Act was not necessary to deal with this. And that is the argument that's happening in the Senate. Now, I'm not confident. I, I watched some of the Senate proceedings today on CPAC.ca and pff, man, uh, the identity politics uh, bug has got into the minds of even the people who are supposed to engage in sober second thought on, you know, the, the dramatic happenings in parliament. So like the, the, the arguments around this are missing the forest for the trees, right? These guys simply demanded the right to have their bodily autonomy and the facts on the ground indicate that there's really not that much further risk to require this. We were denying people the right to make a living. And, you know, this is like legitimate government overreach. And the, the media has instead chosen to, like, just go in all directions except the direction of the prime question here. I'll leave it to you guys now. Sorry. I, I wanted to um, ask Armand. Uh, well, oh, God, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> I think it can, things happen. Chuds rise up. Ch- uh, <laughs> I love okay. the comment Butch said. Um, we're not going to see this on Fox News. Unfortunately, we're not. Um, 
um, I th do you, I think that, uh, as, as these sort of mandates are lifting around the world, I, I don't know the impetus of why the Canadian government would be, uh, okay. Now I know what I wanted to ask. Do you think that the response of, P of Pierre Trudeau, oh my God, not so famed Pierre Trudeau. More like um, Fidel Castro Jr. But... Uh, Castro, as people are calling him. I do him. actually, honestly, he'll get photos. I will say 100% believe that yeah. he's Castro's son. Oh, yeah. And that, and that oh, look yeah. in the eyes of uh, Mrs. Trudeau when she was when, looking at Fidel Castro. No, but when Trudeau just has the mustache instead of the goatee, you can, like, you can really see it. Maybe that's um, more blackface. It was just, like, some, you know... Yeah, he's coming home. Yeah, but um, yeah, black blackface Hitler, I believe, was trending on Twitter quite a bit in the last few years. We need to get Radfem Hitler on the show. Mm. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing content. All right, so you know Amy um, Therese, you know Radfem Hitler. Amazing. Yeah, I could probably get Radfem Hitler. <laughs> um, so I wanted to ask, though, do you think that the response of Trudeau himself? Like I said, that I had this thread where I said if Trudeau would have came out and he would have been more conciliatory, and I think like said, you know, listen, I know we're gonna lift it soon, blah blah blah. I just gotta wait a little bit, you know. But I think from the beginning, when it from the get go, like it became hyper politicized with their, you know, racist, sexist. They hate, you know, X, Y, and Z. They're mm -hmm. anti-Semitic. I I just don't. I I can't fathom how any competent government would from the get-go not want to diffuse the situation and maybe take a little bit of, a, of an L and not really want to like, I think the fact that the protesters have been so like the otherizing of them as occupiers or insurgents or the T word. I, I think it's like, I said this to someone on Twitter. It's like, they're just as much Canadian citizens as anyone else. I mean, whether you agree with them or not, I, I just, I, Gio, don't know Gio, I, I, yeah. I, I have a theory on this, and it's something that I've been working on today and will be uh, part of the thesis for my next article for Newsweek. You'll understand this because you're Canadian. Maybe our other uh, our host and our other guest here won't. Maybe some of the um, people watching won't understand. There's a component to the quote-unquote Canadian identity which is rooted in an infantile and long-running um, comparison. The Canadian identity, and this is reinforced by the CBC and the rest of the institutional media and Academy and everybody else, that we just compare ourselves to the Americans all the time, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, mm -hmm. we are so calm and peaceful, and the Americans are full of crime. We have socialized medicine. The Americans don't. You know, like, you know, and, 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 and it's come home to roost with the Freedom Convoy because... Trudeau was literally trying to meme himself into having a January 6th moment, right? So when the Freedom Convoy came to Ottawa, what did he do? He bolted. He, like, left town, went to some chalet in Quebec, and hid out for a week, right? Because him, his advisors, and the media were literally trying well, – they were looking south to the United States and like, oh, man, we, we should have a January 6th thing too up here. Holy cow, you know, that would, that would like – you know, it would reinforce our – our, 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 our self-esteem and our notion of ourselves as Canadians, we get to have what the Americans have. And then it didn't happen. And yeah. the truckers didn't deliver. This has been the most peaceful fucking protest, like in the history of protests in Canada. And they can't deal with the fact that nothing violent took place. There's been all of this dissembling in the media. Well, yeah, you know, there hasn't been any violence, but like, 
you know, protesters are wandering around Ottawa and they're intimidating anybody that wears a mask and they're making fun of us. And that's a form of violence, too. OK, well, can, can we can we agree on this? I just want to make sure, Armand, do you agree with Gordon's uh, statement here as far as there not being this uh, violence that uh, was portrayed by the media? Well, somebody who's been, um, I never got hit by it, but I had tear gas directed at me and it, they missed. But like, I've been in protests where like cops have been violent and aggressive. Like most of the time, these things, like the, the violence that does happen is from the police. Um, and so- That's what happened here. Yeah, I'm very sympathetic to that because I have the like, you know, bruises to show for it. But uh, yeah, as far as I can tell, it was a largely peaceful protest. Um, I was really relieved, frankly, because given a lot of rhetoric, I thought that when the police tried to arrest them, uh, there was going to be a lot more violence. But no, oh, and, like, and like I say, my 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 point here is to say that there's a component of the Canadian cultural identity that, like, a lot of Canadians don't want to talk about or they dismiss it, and that is we're always constantly comparing ourselves to the neighbors. And by God, we were going to have our January sixth moment too, and when the Trump <laughs> didn't yeah. deliver it. They just had to keep lying and keep saying this fucking guy with the Nazi flag, like these guys are violent. They just keep repeating these lies. And Trudeau and, and his supporters and Jagmeet Singh and all these people just keep repeating it. And they've memed themselves into invoking this Emergencies Act because they so desperately want their own January 6th moment and they didn't get it. So they had to lie about it. And it's Another, like, it's it, it like, to this compulsion. Well, galaxy brain well, no. He, here's how I could break it down. Okay, yeah, so I don't I'm, think so, he's that much of a well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think he, I don't think he's that smart. But that's I don't think it's the smart. Pe Honestly, Armand and Gord, I don't think it's the smart people who are the most dangerous. I personally think that smart people are going to be. When I say smart, I don't mean midwit. I mean actually like wise, wise people. I think people who are wise enough wouldn't do the kind of things that Justin Trudeau does. What I would say, though, in this situation is, can we at least agree that there is a particular flavor that both the media adopts as well as the uh, establishment uh, governments, at least in the West, adopt when it comes to particular kinds of protests? For example, when you had the BLM protests going on, regardless of any of the looting and any of those things that were also accompanied, those things were not focused on at all by the media. Instead, things try to be as clean as possible when talking about it. Politicians were going on their knees, so on and so forth. And with this one, you notice the reaction is a complete 180. I'm curious, do you see there being a certain pattern here, Armand, when it comes to how the media would portray, let's say, uh, white working class uh, Canadians versus uh, people who are, you know, like, I, I'd hate the word people of I don't even want to say that word, but you know what I mean. Uh, there is a difference, by I think, POCs, in the way. Like, yes, in the POCs. way. Yeah, BIPOCs, in the way that the media portrays this. Do you, do, you, do, you see, do, you see, do you see the difference here? I just want to see if we're on the same page or no. Bropox. I will say that I, I disagree with that characterization. I do think, the, obviously, the, a lot of the press is left leaning and was more sympathetic to those protests. But in general, the incentives of the press everywhere are to be sensationalists because that's how they get clicks, how that's how they get headlines. And so, my father, for example, was convinced. He lives like an hour from me. He's very right-wing, Republican guy. We fight a lot about it, but you know, I still love him. He's my dad. Um, 
This explains a lot, Armand. This explains a lot. San Francisco was raised to the ground. He was like calling me because we saw Fox News. He's like, "Do I need to like get you there?" Because like, I'm like looking outside, and it's like, no, it's like a nice day. I'm just gonna get you know, feel good liberal and get kombucha later. Like, I was like, the press in general, while it was left leaning, its larger incentives are to be sensational, and that's why in this case they will find the people's Nazi flags, will say the worst crazy shit. They'll go to a protest and find like the looters or the burning because boring protests that people tend to sign. Well, the pro the, you say boring, but the problem is, is they don't want to address the underlying demands of the protesters. So it's just easier to you know sensationalize the guy with the Nazi flag. And like you said, something that's correct, Armand. Like you might have been in San Francisco and everything's fine. Just as there's many people in Ottawa who are looking around, well, yeah, there's a bunch of trucks parked here, but everything's fine. But the Canadian media would have you believe that it's, a, it's under siege. Premier yeah. Doug Ford invoked that when he announced the provincial uh, emergency, state of emergency, in order to like give the police powers to clear the protesters away from the Ambassador Bridge. He said Ottawa is under siege. Under siege from like techno ravers? Under siege from a bunch of trucks parked in the streets? Like... What what do you mean by this, right? So like this 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 over dramatization happens on both sides, and like we're we're all aware of that. But like the problem is, is we use that the media uses this to avoid talking about the principle at hand and the facts on the ground. And that's like, and I apologize for getting mad, but like the facts on the ground are such that like this virus is going away. The effects of it are going away. The proposed the mandates as such, as they affect truck drivers, as they affect all kinds of other Canadians, nurses. There's this isn't even just about truckers anymore. This is something I've maintained from the beginning. The mandates have punished so many people, they've divided so many families, like pro-vax versus anti-vax, and nobody wants to talk to each other anymore. Like, the psychological fucking warfare that's gone on has driven people crazy. It's happened in my family. It's happened in all kinds of families I've talked to. And people yeah. are done with it. I'm like, sure it's happened with Armand's family wait, Armand, as well. You, but you disagree. I mean, so finish your point. I mean, you were talking... I know it's. Oh, by the way, I losing do, it here. And I do want to share. I do want to share a comic with both of you guys, also and, also, and also, and also, right, everybody who's watching, subscribe, press the like button, click the bell. Here's the comic. I don't know if you've seen this comic before, Armand. Do you see it on the screen? It's like cut off. <laughs> Stone toss. You cut off the top of it. I can't see it for you. All right, all right hold, hold on, hold on. Is it back on the? Is it back on the screen right now? Yeah. Okay, so you see what it says, right? Yeah. Hold on, I'm gonna make it bigger. Solo layout time. Here, here we go. All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna close uh, this thing. So, it... oh, oh, Armand, finish your point. Then I have something to. Uh... Well, no, no, but I am curious though. Before oh. Armand finishes his point, Armand, what do you think about uh, the uh, framing of this comic over here? Do you, you see... can't ask him that. You know you it's against. Where it's kind it's of... biased against. No, them. no, no. I, I want to hear. I want to hear Armand's opinion of what it's what it's getting at here. So there are two things, right? One, I think it is very true that there are a lot of like left-leaning activist types who claim to be champions of the working class, and the only like working class person they know is like their barista that they think they're friends with. Um, <laughs> it's true. I meet those people all the time. Like I argue with those people all the time. But also, like a lot of the time, people cosplay the working class who have like big, really expensive trucks, and a lot of liberal reporters, for example, because they don't know anybody in rural areas, would be like, "He drives a truck." 
he must be a working class man. And the truck costs like a hundred thousand dollars and it's like a nice gun and stuff like that. So, you know, Wings working class is not just about like rural symbolism. There are working class people in cities. There are a lot of working class people who all you know, aren't white and also don't like the Confederacy. So yeah. There's... Can I can I say something about the Confederate flag thing that like a lot of Americans and people outside of Canada won't know about? Go I, for it. I I just I, I just want to say this, and I'm not defending the guy that dragged this flag here, you know, like I just want to state a fact about an aspect of Quebec culture in particular that many of you might not know. So uh, some of you might know that there's been a, a separatist movement in the province of Quebec for decades, if not centuries. They resent being ruled by Anglophones. The, you know, this has been going on since, you know, uh, since General Wolfe defeated Montcalm at the Battle of the Plains of Abraham outside Quebec City and changed the balance of powers and then resulted in British North America, which later became Canada, right? And <clears throat> this, th th this thing has never gone away. So there's people, a subset of Quebec society who are sympathetic to the Quebec separatist movement who have appropriated the stars and bars, the Confederate flag, as a symbol of their uh, their sympathies with the ideas of secession, right? So it, it may not be about like, well, we just hate everybody or we hate African-Americans or Canadians or whatever. It's, it's literally an appropriated symbol used by a small minority of Quebec separatists. So maybe that guy in Ottawa with that Confederate flag was just some Yahoo Quebec hillbilly that just was, you know, he's sympathetic to Quebec separatism and decided the Freedom Convoy was the place to come up and wave his flag around. Sure, he got chased away, and he does not represent 99.9999999% of the people that were there. Mm. It's just something to consider about the Quebec separatist movement and those symbols. That's all I'm saying. And also the other point about the uh, working class, and uh, sorry, I know that uh, Armand uh, had the point that he wanted to make before, but just uh, just so you get the impression that I'm getting when I'm talking about working class here, I'm not talking about just people who are below a certain threshold of um, you know economic prosperity, <laughs> although that could also be included. What I mean here more about working class, and it may be a different definition of working class than you guys have, but the general separation, I guess, between like the Starbucks uh, latte sipping uh, liberal uh, 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 stereotype and people who would be more like business owners, for example, who would be kind of, I know, like having more responsibility is I think that there is a certain spirit. Yeah. Oh, well, hold on. I think that there is a certain spirit, which I'd say it liberalism is not against it, but leftism would be against it, which would be self-confidence, self-reliance, initiative, enterprise, optimism. I think all these qualities are those that would be no problem at all for a liberal person, but for a leftist person, uh, they would have feelings of powerlessness, depressive tendencies, defeatism, guilt, self-hatred, I personally think, in comparison to a liberal person, which would make them despise the self-confident and self-reliant nature of people that would kind of designate themselves into the more of this, like, self-sufficient, uh, well, working middle-class I mean, mold. Of, that, I mean, there's problem with that on both sides. I mean, the, the one thing about, like, I think a lot of people have, like, this, like, yeoman farmer ideal 
of the working class, but it becomes complicated in the Canadian context. I mean, there is the trucking, the, the, the convoy movement is, I think, easily more understood through a class-based analysis than like even anything to do with race or whatever, because there's a lot of like, for example, here in Ontario, I mean, a lot of Sikhs are truckers and a lot of them support the convoy. Uh, it's, it gets complicated in North America in general, but about like the, I mean, but you would also have business owners, right? Like Gordon, for example, I you think, own like, your own, uh, you that... own your own truck, and you know people who yeah, would own their own yeah. trucks, and that would be kind well, that, of their business. That was the argument of that they're not real working class because they're owner operators. I, I don't know. Like, that well, was kind the, of... the problem with that argument, and you know, I have now been on three explicitly leftist podcasts to discuss this. And there's a lot of commentators out there who want to drive this wedge between those who own their own trucks and those who just drive them and pretend that they're a separate class of people. I am here to tell you that that is a grave mistake that does not take into account culture or the actual financial details of the arrangements by which these guys own their trucks. Okay. Um, there was a book written about this by a guy named Steve Shelley. He's a Penn State PhD. He's been 10 years studying the trucking industry. There's a whole lot of people that get like their employees and then these like huge trucking corporations try and talk them into buying their own trucks into these things called lease operator arrangements. Oh, yeah. And all it is is yeah, cost downloading. It's so a fucking it's, scam pretty much. Right, it is. It's, a huge, truckers. it's a massive scam. And so all they're doing is downloading the cost of owning the trucks onto the drivers. So like. These leftoids that want to make this like, whoa, these guys over here are petit bourgeoisie and these guys over here are drivers. They have no fucking idea what they're talking about when it comes to trucking. Over and above the fact, right, like the average truck driver doesn't see it that way, right? You, you know, you, even if you work for a petit bouge person that does happen to own three or four trucks, it's a small family trucking company. Like, you're just working for them. And those people just consider themselves as workers. Like there's no like alliance with like the rest of the bourgeoisie or the capitalist ownership class. Like these fucking leftoid theory cells are really showing how little they actually know about material reality when they engage in this debate about like drivers versus guys who own their own trucks. They're out of their fucking minds. Never mind that. As has been pointed out, at the beginning of the Freedom Convoy, most of the vehicles involved weren't actually big trucks. Do you know why? Because the guys who got laid off from driving their big trucks no longer had access to them and had to take their own personal vehicles to Ottawa because the companies they worked for were like, you're not vaccinated. I can't get any work for you because we mostly go to the United States. So what do they do? They get in their own pickup and they join the convoy. So this like, academic theory cell fucking stupid debate about like petit bourgeoisie working versus working class does not apply here it's bullshit it is conclusively bullshit and they should just stop it just to stop it's nonsense armand <laughs> talks, talks it. go ahead no no thoughts i was just gonna say well, also armand what how do you feel about love characterizing uh all uh leftoids as uh, i don't know not Goblin liberals. SSRIs and, not liberals. Well, not left, liberals. come on, that's a distinction without a difference in my mind. But in your mind, only in your mind, not in my <laughs> mind. <laughs> well, okay, go ahead, everyone. <coughs> sure. You know, I don't know how self-confident all these small business owners who post signs saying nobody wants to work anymore are whining because their employees are like getting better opportunities somewhere are. Like the idea that like 
I don't know, a lot of the petite bourgeois in America, a lot of them are great, hardworking, reliant people, and a lot of them are whiny that we're relying on a weak labor market to provide them cheap labor, and now are throwing a fit that it's not there anymore, right? And so, Armand, Armand, I would not argue with you. No, no, I, 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 I'm sorry to interrupt. He does have a point here. There are plenty of people in the in the sort of wider petit bourgeoisie, you call them boomer cons, whatever, who complain, well, nobody wants to work. Well, no, you guys don't want to pay either, right? And they do. Like, Armand has a point. There are yeah, a, there is, yeah. a certain class of people who've grown accustomed to cheap labor, and when they have to pay more for it, they complain about it. And I have no time for those people either. However, you can't take that massive wider case of business owners and say that every single trucking operation is part of that. That's no, it's, no, it's yeah. not, it's well, not I know from, can I step in here? I think from experience, I mean, having a, you know, like my old man, the, the guys, the five guys he employs, like you have to go the extra mile if you want to keep guys who are loyal to you and especially in construction and concrete. I mean, to the point where, you have to make up the difference for how they even collect unemployment. Well, they don't call it unemployment. They call it employment now. The politically correct, right? Um, it, you have to like do these little things. I mean, there's numerous, <coughs> but like there are contractors, like for example, what, a new guy he has, well, not new. He used to work for someone else. He worked for us many years ago. Like he's like I, he's like Mike, my old man, Michael. He's like, I can't get hours at this other place because he wants to cut off work to go on fucking vacation extra month or so. And it's like, well, it's cheap labor, right? It's just like the problem is on one end, it's true that the unions are fucking over small contractors and small businesses. But on the other end, it is true. There are like scumbags or like people within like the quote unquote petite bourgeoisie who like don't really account for the fact that these guys have to make it through a winter to collect unemployment. You know what I mean? Like there's, mm. so yeah, I can see the argument for their both sides, well, but I do think like the labor shortage is kind of a real thing as well. Like there's, you know. But there is another reason why I bring this distinction up between, let's say, liberal and leftist. And I agree also with Armand and with Gordon, with Gio, when it comes to the petit bourgeois that, you know, are just the the eternal boomer and whatever you want to call it there. But <laughs> but at the same but at the same time, if we're if we're talking about who are the people who are the likeliest to go along with uh, however with this over socialization, to go along with let's say having a kind of digital currency where you can only buy, I don't know, you can only buy a piece of bread with it and you can't buy some like medical aid or vice versa the point being is that i think that there are a certain group of people who are more bootlickish than other groups of people who when the frog starts to get boiled ever more so would not resist and as long as it's painted over by being something noble, like, for example, let's say climate change. Let's say the rules that are being applied right now when it comes to the, uh, you know, this uh, ending epidemic start getting applied to carbon credits, start getting applied to various other things where all of a sudden you're finding yourself having less and less and less of a choice as far as how you're allowed to spend your money, who you're allowed to speak with, things of that nature. And so it really bothers me again as being somebody whose family came from the USSR to see certain people like oncologists, for example, a lot of leftists, they have no problem with saying that there should be a regulation on free speech. So things of that nature are mind along with the Le regulations. Le Le now, point point a bad picture. Lev, if I may, 
you just brought up a couple of points that apply very directly to trucking, and this predates COVID, this predates this mandate problem in Canada. On the climate stuff, since 2007, the United States EPA has mandated these emission control systems on diesel engines, and they keep upping the ante on it. One of the reasons I've been able to engage in this online discourse and make all these appearances and do all the writing I have is I, I, I still drive truck. I'm, I'm supposed to be delivering propane right now because it's home heating season. It's cold. It's winter. Hmm. And but propane yeah. accessories. Yeah, propane and propane accessories. <laughs> well, one of the accessories on my truck is this EPA-mandated thing called an emissions after-treatment afterburner system that uses DEF. And it has broke down so many times and they've rebuilt it and they've tried to reprogram the software that runs it and talk to the ECM. Like my truck has been sitting for two and a half weeks immobilized because of this after treatment system, which has been imposed by the government in the pursuit of these marginal reductions in diesel soot and, and, and particulate and NOx emissions into the atmosphere. Now multiply that times the millions amounts of trucks in the United States and Canada. Like, I don't think people quite understand how much the emissions after treatment system uh, mandates have caused so much grief and cost so much money to the economy because like you'll be driving down the road and all of a sudden the light flashes on your dashboard and it's like, oh, you have to do a parked regen. Well, then the parked regen doesn't work and you're sitting on the side of the highway in the middle of nowhere and the computer decides you're not allowed to drive anymore because the after treatment system failed. I've been to the Freightliner dealer in Binghamton where they've looked after my truck. And the guy there told me that that now comprises servicing these after treatment systems comprises 75% of their business now, right? There's all kinds of ways that we could have reduced carbon emissions through various efficiencies, increasing the use of long combination vehicles, upping the weights of trucks, doing all this other stuff to reduce the total amount of emissions coming out of the North American market. Instead, the tech bros come in and say, well, we have all this fancy equipment. They get the ear of the government. The government mandates it. And who pays the cost on that? The trucking companies. Well, guess what? If the trucking companies are spending all this money on this expensive emissions treatment equipment, they're not spending it on raises for their workers, right? So if you're a pro worker and then these fucking technocratic tech bro bugs saying, well, we need to reduce emissions by 0.0 whatever percent with this mandated technology. We have a conflict here, right? And, and that stuff is going to come down the pipe more and more as we transition from the COVID crisis to the climate alarmism crisis. And like this stuff has already been happening in trucking, right? Another thing that's already been happening in trucking has been surveillance, right? One of, one of, one of the one of the demands of the Freedom Convoy in Canada is an end to this arrive can app requirement on the part of Canada Customs for any traveler coming into Canada because it's like a building block of the biomedical surveillance state where you have to like register your test results, your vaccine status to the government. The Americans brought in this electronic logging device mandate a few years ago and imposed it on every truck driver in America. Like if you left a hundred miles further away from your <coughs> home terminal and a few other exceptions. So basically like if you're a long haul truck driver in the United States and now in Canada, cause Canada followed suit, 
you must have one of these electronic logging devices in your truck, which means the government is tracking you, right? A lot of guys who drive truck for a living basically live in their trucks because they might be a couple of days, a couple of weeks, a couple of months, depending on their routes, depending on the customers they serve, they might not get home. They effectively live in their trucks and they are tracked by the government. How the lawyers argued this around the Fourth Amendment is beyond me, but like this surveillance state stuff was already present in the trucking community. So I would posit to everybody watching this that the reason the Freedom Convoy and the people associated with it have finally like lost their minds or like decided this is the, the issue is it's the straw that broke the 18-wheeled camel's back. The trucking community, the trucking industry has already been subjected to the tender mercies of the climate alarmists and has already been subjected to the fucking HR department demons and all these safety people that say, well, uh, we have to keep track of you all the time. And now we're tracked by the government 24-7. So, like, you want to see what your future is as just a regular person? Watch the truckers because it's all being fucking rolled out on us first. Yeah, it started with the Tattlers, remember? Uh, that was a big deal back mm. in uh, the 80s or 90s or so. Well, uh, the tattlers, Ar Ar yeah. Armand, as far as the consequences that uh, Gordon is uh, painting here, uh, let me know your thoughts. I mean, I, I can't speak too much about the specifics because I'm not an expert on the Canadian trucking industry or this technology. Like, I can say broadly, it feels like points you and Gordon are making are... It's difficult to talk about in abstract because, like, Society always has to make some sort of trade-offs, right? Like, I, it's not legal. Why to are the trade-offs always against oh, one sector of the working well, class? Well, wait, look, we're, no, uh, sorry, yeah. we're <laughs> finish. Like, um, sorry. to go to school, you have to get certain shots. To like, to, I can't just take other people's shit. Like, there's like, you you're, you're comparing this. You're comparing the mandates against us to theft. Don't I mean, I mean no, we're not even we're not even talking about the mandates right now, Armand. Yeah. Specifically, I'm what, talking what about. What I'm saying is, like every yeah. society has to make restrictions, has to make trade-offs between liberties and societal benefits. For the most no, no, part, but, no, but specifically about the societal benefits, Armand, I just want to make sure that you understand what Gord was talking about here. Because, yeah. again, I don't want a point to be made if it's not made based on what was talked about. All what right. Gord specifically pointed out was that there were these specific uh, climate policies that these technocratic people did that actually do very little, if not nothing, to help, but only end up hurting as far as the uh, amount of money that uh, workers within this field are able to make. And not only that, but Gord actually gave alternatives, ways to actually help offset the uh, carbon emissions his point was that the government is very blind when it comes to these things they just see some nice flashy presentation they go with it and people who are in Gord's position don't really have a recourse here and that is kind of like the symbol of slow government technocratic <coughs> creep and but that I think is the, yeah the problem I think the base assumption is that well I mean it's complicated because nowadays, for example, in Canada, they just approved, I mean, a few months too late, they approved Novavax, which is a more of a traditional tech uh, sacrament. Yeah. No, but but I, not, I guess okay. the problem is that I, a lot of people are concerned with a novel technology that has not been really fleshed out and has been proven to be we're not even yeah but, but Gio, Gio, know, we're not I even talking we about that no 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 no, 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 no. So i want to go back because this yeah. is actually extremely important once again the point gord was making is that these policies were applied vertically they were applied from on on up high 
the government decided to enact these particular policies regarding climate uh, with the truckers and surveillance with the truckers. Now, what you were saying that you were saying that this is a trade-off, but if oh, we're- I'm talking about the climate stuff, like the surveillance stuff, like I don't know if a trucking deal, why they even do it, but it seems really fucked up and bad. So, All right, there we go. We, we can agree on that. The climate yeah. stuff, like, everybody complains when they have to do climate regulation and think, they think it's bad, but, like, climate change is a big problem. Sometimes the technology makes sense, sometimes it doesn't. I have a, I'm a little skeptical, I'm sorry, Gord, of what you're saying, because you say that their alternatives are just as good, and then you're, like, climate alarmists, and, like, kind of implying climate change is not a big deal. So I don't know how much well, no, it's not it's not that it's not a big deal. Like I'm not going to I'm not going to debate that, right? Mm -hmm. The problem is is that the cost of attempting to reduce carbon emissions is being offloaded onto this particular sector in a way that's costing them an absolute fortune, which could be going towards workers, it could be going towards other things. And the, the, the gains made by the imposition of this technology, I would argue, can be made in other, the, the efficiencies could be made in other ways by different changes. That's all I'm saying. Like, I'm not, I'm not trying to disregard anything about climate here. I, I use climate alarmists mostly as a descriptor of the people who would impose this on us without considering the alternatives. Yeah. Okay? It's like the politicians who say, think of the children when trying to implement some draconian uh, law. You know, it's a similar kind of thing. And what I want to get to here, despite any disagreements you guys have, is an understanding of how fucking valuable our freedom is. And I think that there is a lack of a healthy distrust, at least within more of a uh, more of a liberal well, leftist society. Lev there is lack of a healthy distrust of this stuff. Well, Lev, my, my point, I think, is that, in, for example, I'm, right, I'm almost finished this huge uh, essay on the convoys it's probably going to go up on american sun it's almost like 30 pages oh wow um, yeah it's it's and a lot of different writers as well that I i'm citing yeah it took me forever i just i can't complete it because i'm kind of like blackpilled a little bit <laughs> <laughs> so it's like i'm trying to say how the convoy is a expression of things to come in terms of protest movements and how it's managed to be somewhat effective but now i'm kind of blackpilled on it um my my point is that the when it comes specifically to um the i'm losing my train of thought here uh the you can argue the around the issue of a liberal framework of freedom i think that there's problems with saying my freedom my freedom my freedom i think that there are many other ways in which you can approach it but i think the problem is like when people on my side of things like on the on the right wing we like sort of chastise like i've, I've like legit horseshoe people, theory horseshoe theory no but yeah but i've heard people <laughs> like like count not to name names but i've heard people counter signal the convoy because all oh, they're libtards because they talk about freedom it's like i agree that there's a, a ways around using this dis liberal discourse of freedom but the vast majority of people in these like they're actually going out there and protesting and it are, are part of the freedom convoys it's like that's the way they think about things you can't like necessarily think well they should have been reading holler and demaestra and, and curtis yarvin they should have been reading <laughs> Moldbug back in the day it's like no like the vast majority of people don't have time to read the epic reactionary thinkers it's like <laughs> yeah man, like it's full fucking bullshit like it's i've heard like white nationalists say well you know it's not about white interests like it doesn't like it doesn't matter because the people that are actually out there doing something they mm. have a mindset of the classic liberal this is my freedom being impinged and I think that, yes, it's true. You can make arguments that are not 
in line with that liberal narrative of like quote unquote freedom. But it's like the vast majority of people don't have mm. time for that. Like that's well, my thing. Well, it's let like me. Well, well, let the me material break... conditions are there that are a problem. Mm. So, well, let me break it yeah. break it down as such. So. On one hand, Armand, I think we can all agree that it is a problem like when people express their right to protest, they go out and then they get beaten up by cops as you've had experience with the police that was pretty, uh, pretty ghastly, as you said so yourself. So we can all we can all agree on that, right? Okay, so now we have the situation where while your dad watches Fox News or whatever, there is still, at least right now, the kind of government, and I'm not saying just in the U.S., but in most Western nations, where the government and the media and so on and so forth, they seem to have a particular way of going about things, unless I'm wrong, where once again, if it's BLM, they take a knee. If it's, uh, if it's uh, Canadian uh, uh, working class truckers, the reign of hell <coughs> flies down as much as possible on them. And my concern, again, it has nothing even to do with what's, uh, what's been going on these past two years. It's more of the precedent that's being set right here. So Armand, as somebody who is against this kind of brutality, do you see something weird about the arm of the government that's going to be taking the knee for the causes you like all of a sudden, you know, marching and annihilating as much as possible any resistance to the kind of things that you may not be as big of a fan of here. And do you see it changing at any point where certain things that you might be in favor of would start to be applied with that same treatment from the uh, from the government? I mean, I guess you're just conflating a lot of things, right? Because there's like the government and the media and different media as we're talking two different countries, like all of, I mean, the well, no, I'm, le I'm leaving Fox as a separate entity here. I'm leaving Fox as a separate entity, but if we're talking yeah. about a lot of the a lot of the other mainstream stuff, well, they do collude. I mean, I mean, I know, I know you're not going to like this, Armand, but Tucker pointed as Tucker pointed out, uh, CNN was doing the Janney work for the Canadian media as well. Like I saw an article the other day about how. Uh, well, anyways, I mean, let's face it, the media they. They all think alike. Yeah. Well, not and I'm not, and them, I'm not but, saying this know. is a fan of to Fox News. I think Fox News can, you know, all oh, respect. Oh, no, they're controlled all, Much respect to uh, Laura. How did you call Ing Ingram? Uh, much respect to Laura Ingram, but uh, Fox News is also like this corporate I thing. I still and, around Laura Ingram. That's, yeah. that's yeah. a blessed yeah. with yeah. Fox News is still corporate, so I'm in favor more of people <laughs> like uh, like Break the Rules, for example. That's what I'm in favor <laughs> for. Everybody subscribe. Everybody subscribe. Patreon.com slash Break the Rules. Become a patron today you're not gonna get this on fox news <laughs> on sean exactly. yeah. no, no, no 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 but i want i, I want i want armand to answer but just to solidify what i'm saying here armand i am separating kind of like the fox news uh, boomer crowd from a lot of the more let's say uh refined legacy media entities that do have a very specific narrative when it comes to blm when it comes to transgender when it comes to a lot of these woke things well at the same time whenever like the Canadian workers come around, they have a very specific narrative for them. And so my question is, what is going to happen when more people are going to find like they don't have a voice, they get fired for speaking out, uh, for saying certain things that the establishment, such as the ones that I mentioned, would disagree with? And what happens then as far as the reaction to that? And what happens if it's also the other way around, if the shoe's on the other foot, if all of a sudden we get some kind of a dystopic right-wing government and all of the issues that you care about are going to be Beesh. trampled on just as... No, don't say that, Gia. And uh, <laughs> get trampled on j j just as much. You know, because what I'm, what I'm fighting uh, against here, Armand, 
is <laughs> rather say it like this what i'm fighting for is your ability to express yourself and gord's ability to express himself and what i'm fighting against is the trampling on that ability to express and trade and purchase and things of that nature so that's kind of like the picture that i'm painted so let me know what you think so two things. One, when I was talking about conflating, I meant conflating the government and the media, because while a lot of the press was more sympathetic to like BLM protests and so on, like local governments, all the cops cracked down pretty quickly. Like um, Seattle well, was the only place where they allowed like Chaz and like Autonomous Zone, which is like insane because it really didn't stop having police. They just made random. Like, I, I, I disagree as far as New York City goes. The NYPD had to stand down. And uh, again, there were certain times when, okay, enough was enough. They had to go in there. But by that time, there was a lot of destruction that was caused. I agree with you when it comes to, let's say, sheriffs. The big distinction I find, Armand, you could disagree here, but when you have a sheriff's department, the sheriff has more of an obligation to the people within the, the community as opposed to having it be like the official police department that is subject to the politicians. That's where I see the big distinction here. It, it varies in places. A lot of places in California, sheriffs are elected. Um, and so therefore, they have like a direct, they have their own political future to worry about, which is why they often can be more aggressive. Um, but... To, to go back to something earlier, there's also the thing of like, I don't know, fundamentally, I think that the press should treat, be unbiased and fair, even towards causes I don't like. I will say that I thought that the cause of advocating for social justice for black people to have more rights, not be oppressed by police in America was just. I don't think protesting for the, like the right to keep spreading a disease like is just. I don't think the problem is there's no evidence that it's continuing well, uh, to be spread. I mean, there is like there's still thousands of cases in Canada. Like, oh boy, we're back. We're back to this again. All right, well, it's not. We're not going to resolve that. But the point is, I do think that the media in the United States, because it's populated largely by like people who are upper middle class, college educated liberals, especially during like the summer of the Black Lives Matter protest movement, like we became a, a religious symbol. You know, with George Floyd, like every Saint Floyd, every white liberal I know was like going through all that social training, and there was definitely the media coverage was much more careful or like hesitant about like labeling things riots and stuff like that, and that then they would be with an equivalent protest, right? And even if I personally think some protests were more justified than others, I don't think that the press should reflect my political bias. No, but what you were saying... Well, let me just question... Wait, wait, wait. No, no. I, I got to answer. Uh, I got to ask. When you, you were saying labeling... In the chat, la hashtag hashtag you harassment. <laughs> when you were saying labeling things right, <laughs> do you mean... Do you think labeling things right as in... Right as in the truth or right as in the right thing to show at the no, time? I, so riot. I meant to say riot. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Never mind. All right. They were definitely like... There was a period of time where... They were overcorrecting for the fact that like, in the past, like anytime, for example, you should see footage of like anytime there's like protests involving black people, it's a riot. Then when like white people get angry after a sports match and like tear, like, a bus got flipped over after the Giants lost like years ago and people were just like kind of rowdy crowds. And so after George Floyd happened, a lot of the press was like really cautious about like that and then I think frankly overcorrected um, and reflected very clear like uh, they reflected an opinion of the protest that I agreed with. But I don't think it's the role press. Ar Armand, um, well, if may, I may, 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 may I pause it something to Armand and everybody else here for a minute. Go for it. 
and and I'm not trying to like be disagreeable or anything, sure. but like this 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 constant discussion about like how the press reacts to things, whether it's left or right, and like you know it's they say this about X and that about Y, and everyone's a hypocrite. Like this whole thing is so worn out now, and one of, this is one of my frustrations, and this is what's driven me to like write a few things and I've now been published in Newsweek and I, 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 I continue to advocate for the, 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 the demands of the freedom convoy, if not the freedom convoy itself, is that like all of this like discourse about it, it's nonsense because it ignores the facts on the ground. It ignores the demands being made. It ignores the fundamental realities of like people's lives being affected by this shit. And I just, I just get so tired of it. Right. And like Lev said something earlier about, um, <coughs> you know, like, you know, conflating, you know, something I've experienced in my own life. And, and I see this like my in-laws, my own cousins, people I try and talk to is they try and keep importing the American culture war left versus right media yes fuckwad bullshit to canada right and there are some people in canada who are happy to import that to canada right and i object to that canada's canada the united states is the united states the freedom convoy is addressing some very specific issues covid has been handled differently in canada differently by the provinces differently by the feds from the states in the u.s and the federal government under Donald Trump and then Joe Biden. So like, I, I, I really don't like it when like this sort of cultural nonsense travels back and forth across the border through this discourse. And I, and I want people to focus on the facts on the fucking ground and realize how this affects people and why they're pissed off and why they just, they just want their lives back. And, and this whole like, you know, and I'm not trying to dismiss anything like Armand is saying or any of the rest of you guys are saying. It's like the the discussion about the media, this meta level discussion, it's fucking unhelpful, right? Like, let's focus on what we need to do here. You know, anyway, end rant. Well, sorry. I think that's oh. the, that's the point though yeah. is that the it's clear that around the world we've seen that these restrictions aren't working and that. The demand that to simply join the rest of these Western nations, including nations that have been held as paragons of progress <laughs> for years, like Sweden, for example. I mean, I in my in my article I argue that the Canada model is like basically using Canada as a like sort of this neoliberal petri dish for what's going to happen in America five to ten years down the pipeline. So any American mm. watching, I hate to say it, but well, that would few kind years of, from uh, now. Um, that, no, that would kind of contradict, just, uh, contradict what Gord was saying to a certain extent. Not a big extent, but a wait, small I'm not one. Finished, love, not okay, finished. no, but just a Petri dish example. But no, go go on, Gio. I don't want to step on uh, no, Gio's toes here. No, I just wanted to push back a little bit. I think that in North America, we don't have the same context as in Europe when it comes to the soccer riots or the hooliganism. Whereas in Britain and France, for instance, I mean, hooliganism has been a huge issue and they have been called out as riots and they've been labeled as, uh, you know, white supremacists and all that stuff. And, and to be fair, they have been a huge issue. Mm. With well, huge we even had a comment from a Super Iron Bob for $5 who says, I grew up with sports riots being called riots. I don't acknowledge this false history. No, but I just think that 
I, I just like the, the, the wording of it as like the right to spread. <laughs> to see, I think that it, it, the, the sort of moralism that's been attached to the happenings the last two years to me is incredibly like just bonkers because if we start to say that, you know, to give someone <laughs> because of a highly contagious illness to give someone, uh, it is like this moral, like, uh, you know, just like this, this moral obligation. It's it doesn't just like, really help your point that Gord's coughing at each <laughs> Again, I know, I'm I know. very sorry. I've had a cold. Like, I'm sorry. No, no, no. I, I just think like the whole. I, I had COVID. I had COVID. I caught okay. COVID. And you know yeah, what? I, I, I had it last year. I caught and, uh, COVID you know. from my wife who went to Pittsburgh to visit her in-laws who were all vaxxed and boosted. And they brought it home to me after me, truck driver, unvaccinated, who'd gone almost two years through this nonsense without picking it up. And then I got COVID. From a bunch of vaxxed and boosted people. So fucking chew on that for a minute. <laughs> no, but that's my point. Exactly. Like the whole, the, the development of this global uh, happening, Chinese world tour. Um, that's the, my point to hook up this like social morality machine to it. When for the past, before the last two years, we've been preached at how, you know, we live as atomized individuals and there's no such thing as society, especially in Canada. We live in a post-national country. There's no such thing as a unifying identity or community. Now we have to hyper-focus on this, like, you know, and, and let's face it, a lot of it's boomer liberals who want to, like, act out every little last drop of life so they can rob their children of their retirement fund. Uh, <laughs> so they go to Florida for another year. Um, it's, to me, it's like very contradictory how on the one end we're taught that there is no such thing as social obligations or like our community or our ethnicity and so forth. Now we have to hyper-focus on the concerns of other people and their health and well-being it's very conscious, but to do this from not a position of community and belonging, but to do it from a sort of socially distanced uh, position. I mean, it's really, again, please go and read Giorgio Agamben. Where are they now? He's the best writer on this. He Everybody take a drink. So, uh, Giorgio, Agamben. Giorgio Agamben. Exactly. Yeah. So I just think that, no, to me, like the, the sort of largely media created apparatus of moralism around giving people an illness is just, I, I can't abide by that. It's just, to, mm. it's bonkers. I mean, I, I mean, look, know. nobody, just... nobody wants anybody to uh, die, especially like people who are uh, no, clo no, of course. Cl uh, close to them. You know, like I've talked about, you know, situations with my family and such. But uh, if we are talking about like this point that Gio is making here, do you think uh, Armand that Gio may have a bit of a point when it comes to there being like this new kind of religion oriented around this it's only true um and i think if anything i often argue with folks who are um so terrified of like any covid stuff that they've created a like there are people i, I thought for a long time frankly it was like a conservative parody people aren't actually like this and then i met some folks who related to um my partner and you were actually like, well, Fauci said it's okay. And I was like, you actually like, you know, the California guy in the, the protesting? Yeah, go ahead. Like, yeah. He was like, girl. <laughs> I used to be a deaf. What I want to convey is like, 
it's not a lot of this frustration and anger comes from the fact that this should have sucked for a long time. I didn't see people I love for like over a year. Like yeah, same year. Yeah. To like get together with friends. It's like uh, schools are on and off. Like stuff is con- you're constantly worried that like if one person gets sick, that will you know a bunch of people have to affect a lot. It's just and there are still people dying. It's like so a lot of the anger that comes from folks who are don't want to get vaccinated, for example, like it comes from because we're, I want, it's not because I'm one of those people who's like, I want to stay in isolation and quarantine forever. And it's lovely. No, it's fucking sucks. I wish the problem, was- the problem <laughs> is that your ability to make a living. I'm, I'm, I'm only commenting on the Canadian context here and the freedom convoy, which is why you guys asked me to come on. I can't speak to America, whatever. <laughs> The right. problem in Canada is your, your ability Was he? the, the oh. ability to earn a living on the part of Canadian truckers has now hinged on the requirement to take this sacrament right, at this late hour, which has proven to have not lived up to its original promises and makes you have to make a choice between your bodily autonomy and earning a living for your family, and I think that's wrong. And I want to I want to read a tweet from you guys. I want to read two tweets from a friend of mine that's speaking about the like moralism that Geo just alluded to here. So bear with me. So a friend of mine, um, at Mar Black Merrick, he's one of the co-hosts of the Good Old Boys podcast. Everybody, oh go yeah, watch mm. we've had Bog Beef. Fun. Yeah, we've had Bog Beef on. Yeah, yeah, Bog Beef's great. He might even be watching. Um, Shout out to Bog Beef. I I, I spoke with them a couple of weeks ago. They're fantastic. Anyway, so this is a tweet from Merrick that I took um, screenshots of because it's so fucking concise and gets to the heart of this matter. Right? Two parts. The worst kind of politics is emotional blackmail. Like, what about the immunocompromised that relies on people's compassion, preventing them from saying the obvious truth that we cannot reorganize human re- human civilization for them. The, that compassion is admirable and necessary on a personal level, but expanding it to mass politics has led to decades of excuses and outright lies about how reality functions, empowering some of the worst people to ever waddle over God's green earth. <laughs> right? Like, he's basically saying, like, and, and I'm sorry if this implicates Armand's arguments here, but, like, this idea that we have to turn society upside down for the tiny minority of people, and like I said, at, at present, the across-the-board IFR for COVID-19 is 0.09% or something. Like, he has a point. Do we have to reorganize society for this small number of people, especially in the face of the fact that numbers are going down and we do not reorganize society for all kinds of other things that cause more trouble, right? Like there, there, there's a question here and I don't think the branch Covidians have answered it. Branch Covidians? Armand, <laughs> uh, go ahead. Oh. I mean, the United States reorganized like society for decades, still does because of something that killed 3,000 people. <laughs> And COVID kills that many people in the United States like every three days still. 
like, yeah, like sometimes when society faces a massive problem, you have to ask people to sacrifice. With or of? Two, people Is like that true, though, statistically, like about the 3,000 thing? I mean, yeah, it, I think, yeah. I mean, the way they calculate it's kind of bullshit to me. I don't know. I, I just don't believe it. No, but the thing that I don't like, get, Armand, is that it seems no, like. No, but it was wrong back then. It was yeah. wrong back then. We should have never done it. The war, the two wars were bullshit, yeah. and the neocons once again pulled the wool over the no, eyes. No, but but also it seems like I I think generally that Armand agrees with all of us when it comes to the problems of uh, government overreach, the jackboot <laughs> thugs, all that stuff. But when it comes to specifically this issue, Armand, it does seem like you kind of it's it's almost like yes to everything except this. This is the one exception that I'm going to make. And uh, that is why I'm conflicted, too, because, you know, there are members of my family that would be negatively affected by this. So, uh, you know, we planned ahead as far as making sure that everybody would be very, very, uh, very safe. Yeah, but and, let's have uh, one, the option to one, get one the, of the Yeah, and one of those, yeah, thing, right? yeah, I mean, one of those things involves, for know. example, having, you know, like N95s instead of those crappy ones that, you know, like that the jury's already uh, out on what exactly the situation with those things is. But anyway, the idea here... Look at Lisa is, Boat here. Imagine sacrificing the future of kids for boomers, fat boomers, disgusting yeah. boomers. No, no, but, they, but, they, but the idea here, Armand, is that oh, it's very... Brutal. It's, it's, oh, it's very strange for me that... When it comes to a lot of these things that you and Gore do agree on when it comes to these potential problems down the road, that for this one thing, an exception seems to be made. And uh, like I said before, there are... I thought World War II, we have to sacrifice a ton to beat Hitler. Like, and, we I... put, and we put Japanese people in internment camps. So wrong. again, it's like it was wrong. Exactly. So my point is, is that the only thing that we sacrifice, right? Like society to ration people have to get con conscripted. Like all those things are things that took away some of their liberty for the, like for a larger cause. And we should always err on the side of liberty because it's very hard to give back once it's taken away. But, but I think it's the but degree first... to which. Oh, go I ahead. Don't I mean, fundamentally, part of the difference is just like I don't think it's that big a hassle to get vaccinated. Gore thinks it's a huge deal, and that's like hard. No, to but I think it's a huge deal as well because we're deal. We're not. I mean, if they would have began, if they would have waited a few months for um, sacraments that have had, uh, you know, like like Novavax or other ones who are like they sort of you know appease people who are hesitant because they rely on traditional technology. It just, I I, I just don't see. Apart from the fact that maybe if we discount the you know massive risks and the people that are having being adversely affected by these uh, sacraments, I mean, I don't know if you think that they're real or not, Armand, but they're definitely people who have been negatively affected at a higher rate than the previous you know twenty or odd or so uh, V's that we've had. But uh, let's bracket that aside. Even if there was no negative health risks, which there are, um, the, the efficacy of them is questionable, and I think that to create this apparatus of control around them. I mean, that's kind of, I get what you're saying. It's true. We should sacrifice for the greater good, but when it comes to something that is such a personal decision, I mean, but, I don't know about that. Gio, kinda... you have a great point and I'm sorry. I had to run away. I had to go to the bathroom, um, but oh, that's you, have what a, was. you have a great point about the sacrifice. And the problem again here is in the Canadian context with the mandates that Trudeau has imposed is we have, two years of data on those sacrifices. We have two years of data on the efficacy of the sacraments. We have two years of truck drivers working their asses off through this. 
and 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 you're some of the viewers might not know this, but like above and beyond what the state has imposed on us, when drivers would go to distribution centers, Amazon warehouses, Walmart warehouses, refrigerated warehouses for groceries, whatever, they were treated like lepers. You weren't allowed to use the bathrooms. You weren't allowed to come in the office. You might be sitting there six, eight, ten, twelve, a fucking entire day waiting to get loaded or unloaded, and the 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 the, the personnel at these warehouses and loading and unloading facilities that drivers had to interact with basically said, oh my God, you guys might have COVID stay in your truck. So like we were literally treated like lepers. State governments closed rest areas like Pennsylvania famously at the beginning of this closed all the rest areas. So like you couldn't even pull in to go to the bathroom. Mm. Truck stops closed. You couldn't get anything to eat. And like after all of this, and after all of the data showing that the sacraments don't do what they were originally uh, sold, right, as, and after all of this hard work and effort and sacrifice on the part of truck drivers as essential workers, for Trudeau to come in and say, well, you know, the 10% of you who still haven't taken the sacrament, fuck you, you don't get to work anymore. Like, there's only one conclusion here and it's punishment for failure to comply. I'm sorry. There's no other logical reasoning for it anymore. The facts don't add up and that's where I'm at. And I, I don't think Armand is going to convince me otherwise. I mean, there's overwhelming amount of studies, like even one came out today, but over and over the show that the sacrament reduces the chance you'll get infected. It reduces the chance you'll, if you get infected, they'll give it to other people. And most importantly, even if you, all those things happen, the risk that you get hospitalized and die is significantly lower because of it. But, but in the short term though, in the short term, I think the problem is when you do long form studies, they're showing that, I mean, it's basically like you're going to have to have to get it forever now. I mean, there is, the, the problem is it targets a very specific part of the spike protein that when something new comes along, uh, un, as opposed to natural immunity, where it's sort of targeting the nucleus, um, it showed that it's not very effective against new variants. <coughs> I think that's a big problem. I mean, I don't know if it they're has, going to keep... Well, go ahead, Armand. Go ahead. I was just going to say it actually varies. So, for example, if you get Delta and you have natural immunity from that, it's not as effective against, against Omicron. Versus if you get Omicron, it gives you natural immunity against a bunch of other things. So there's like a, mm. a range but, but, of depending sure, on what but, but about like It what, is proven, though, that natural well, immunity does, on average, tend to lower mm. your risk of any... Average, yeah, yeah but, but when we're talking about all these details... I, guess I, I think, don't care if I get yeah, Omicron yeah. again. Like, well, I mean, as well, no, no. I'm tired of getting lost in the weeds. Here yes. All yeah, 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 we yeah, are. yeah. So I think I think it's important to actually not focus that much on the details of how a lot of these things end up working because we keep yeah, here for hours citing various studies. I think the more important thing is Gord's point, which was how he was treated, how he that. how he was treated in the truck. And when you were in the restroom, Gord, Armand brought up World War Two, but I also brought up the Japanese internment camps. And the question here again for me, it comes back to the technology and governmental creep which Armand agrees is a problem but then if it's a problem why am I not seeing more people in California especially like I'm not seeing any protests in San Francisco against big tech censorship you know it just doesn't doesn't exist (laughs) you know I'm not seeing people protesting against the great reset who are among the crowd of people that would work for Google or Facebook or so on and so forth. 
why do you think this is going on? Why do you think this is not treated as seriously? Because regardless of whatever opinions you and Gord or anybody else has about this specific situation, if we all agree that the creep of government control is a horrible thing, why do you think they're sleeping on it? Why do you think that side is sleeping on it? Uh, and part of it, like people don't tend to protest where, you know, their money comes from. So a lot of people work for tech and they're not going to, nobody wants to, not just like cynically, but like, you don't want to think you're the bad guy. Right. So like, ever, I personally think like Facebook is horrible. Um, I've used it unless I need to in the last like, several years. People I know who work there, you know, they have to convince themselves when they wake up every morning that they're on the yeah. Well, for, for, forget, um, forget tech though. Why yeah. not, why not some poet baristas you know why not some people who are in the arts none of these people none of these people are protesting <laughs> against klaus schwab and the great reset and all this stuff well there's some but they, they are usually on the outside they're not yeah. exactly they're outsiders to be honest with the great reset is like Okay, uh, it's this uh, Davos program where a lot of the stuff that I was talking about as far as the um, kind of currency that people are going to be using, how people are going to be living, you know, like with the uh, climate credits, all that, all that stuff, that's where it comes from. And this has been going on for a long time. The guy wrote a whole book about it, how he sees the future being organized, and he sees this circular economy where nobody's really building anything up, but people are just reusing everything that's already been around. And in general, just like this whole transhuman... Anyway, all the transhumanist stuff aside, that's not the focus. The focus is that a lot of the policies that these people in Davos want to set, as far as the reading that I did of them, they are very dangerous for individual liberty. They involve mm -hmm. a lot of traffic tracking. They involve a lot of things that I think all of us disagree with. So my question is, when it comes to those policies of government, uh, big tech, overreach, censorship, even just like the big tech censorship, we're, we don't have any of the poets or the artists or the baristas in San Francisco ever dreaming of protesting that. In fact, they love it. They probably are all for any censorship of no-no words, any censorship of any well, opinion no, the they find to be also problematic. The, um what do they call it? The fourth industrial revolution. revolution. Yeah. yeah. Where they're going to restructure the economy to make a, into a, make everyone into a renter essentially. Yeah. That, that's a big yeah. part too. You will own nothing and you will be happy. That's, well, that's another thing. I wanted to ask Gord about the trucking industry, but yeah, go yes. ahead. Or, yeah. Go ahead. Or yeah. So yeah. thank you for geo for clarifying that, uh, the renting part about the great reset, but yeah, the renting, including, I mean, honestly, the people that in San view Francisco, of ownership and private yeah. property and also the economy in general will like fundamentally shift, which I mean, I do agree that people have to downscale to somewhat. And like, there is a lot of excess, but like they're talking about literal, like, the meme of like eat the pot, sorry, eat the pot, live in the box. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, it'll be Gio, like that you, one, uh, the Disney movie where people lived in box. Yeah. Gio, you, you had a question for me, Gio, shoot it. I want to hear it. What's your question, right. buddy? Well, Go for let's it. Armand finish and oh, then yeah. I'll, I'll get to you. Yes, question. Armand, are we a bunch of tinfoil hatters or, or can you give some, uh, you know, some steel manning to what we just said right oh. now about the Great Reset? I think we're in a difficult situation where um, the, it, the first time in human history, there's an enormous amount of like communication and ability for everyone to be a publisher. But at the same time, we don't have societal rules or norms really set up for that. And we've reserved it to the point where like individual tech companies are basically having to act as pseudo governments. And a lot of times I think liberals are very lazy when they respond to this just by saying, well, it's not the first amendment, it's a private company. 
but like we're no longer in a world where that if you're banned from like Facebook and Twitter, you effectively have less First Amendment rights. Exactly. Than, like, Libertar right? Libertarians of convenience are first against the wall, and Twitter got rid of me because of some vigilante group that didn't like me because of some things I said on What's Left podcast and or because of my affiliation with them. And that's why I got kicked off again. And good luck me trying to ever get my account back, right? There's there's no appeal process that involves a human. By the way, did they give you a... Oh, go ahead, everyone. I was just going to say, the way I sort of see it is that like it should be a, a restriction based off of how much power you have. Essentially, if you are a small account, like you should be as free as possible. The bigger you get, like... I do agree that of removing Donald Trump at that time because I, he was like in the process of trying to run a coup. And it was Jesus crazy. Christ, he was not <laughs> trying to run a coup, dude. Come on, get out of here. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, that's too much. That's too much. The way I think it should be is that your accounts are more you're under more scrutiny the more powerful and bigger you are. But right now, what's happening is that like the little guys, the ones who have the least leeway, and then mm. the more important you are to these companies, the more leeway. You but get. you do notice though, Armand, that Joe Rogan is being hammered uh, left and right. Well, mostly left by a lot of these uh, legacy media outlets because he's out competing them because people are actually listening to somebody who's willing to have similar conversations like we're having for a long amount of time going through a lot of these things. This is, I think, what people are into as opposed to just some talking heads that spout off talking points. So when it comes to that kind of censorship, luckily Joe Rogan is still out there right now, but there are so many people, I bet, in San Francisco who would love to have him off Spotify, never Listen, to hear from him Patriots again. Patriots are in control. Stand back. Stand by. <laughs> Armand, we're, we're standing back and standing by. Uh, I, I, okay, so just for all the listeners who like keep commenting in the little scrolling thing here, I am reading it, and yes, I have <laughs> drank two pieces of beer. I'm working. Yes, I've been drinking this oh. entire time, and I'm fucking drunk. And whatever, I'm Canadian. We like beer. <laughs> Wait, um, don't don't the French ones like wine or also beer? Uh, uh, yeah, brandy uh, or chardonnay. I do appreciate the Canadian truckers have like reset the stereotype of Canadians, the American mind. Like, yes. You know, like it used to be just like people from Quebec who are a little bit like polite. And now it's like angry truckers who drink beer. Like, you know, it's a refreshing change. Mm. <laughs> mm. But it is but, also uh, anyways, like, yes. Uh, yeah. Geo's, a... Yeah. Geo's question to Gord. Go. Yes. Oh yeah. Um, what were we talk? I, I wanted to say something about anyways. No, don't worry about it. Um, two, two things I've, there was this one video of this insane psycho glow in the dark, uh, this uh, Aubrey Cottle ghoul who ended up doxing the, and to be fair, Griff scam glow is a shitty website for uh, that has a number of leaks since uh, years and years ago, but he was the one who was, in my opinion, employed by CSIS to do this doxing. And if you look into his history, he was part of the original anonymous people. And he, like, worked for the federal government. And he, the guy's a glory. The guy's a glory. But in one part of it, he said, he's like, you know what? You fucking truckers are going to be replaced by computers in a few years anyways. So uh, my, uh, my question to Gord is two things. One is, uh, to play devil's advocate, 
Do you think that trucking as a whole is inefficient compared to other industries like trains, for example? And do you think that basically AI programs are going to be replacing long haul trucking in the next 10 years or so anyways? So what do you, what is your opinion from someone right. in the industry? So the, the first part, um, can, can you repeat the first question as it relates to trains and the efficiency? Yes. Do you think that trucking is an inefficient medium of delivering? Okay. So it's, it, it's not the, pro, the, okay. So you're talking about different modes, <coughs> right? So like the most efficient mode of transportation is boats because right. like right. talking cargo capacity, how much gets moved, how far for how Emissions. much energy input, right? Yeah. So it goes boats, trains, trucks. The problem is there's not a rail yard into everyone's backyard. There's not a rail line True. into every True. community. So sooner or later, even though you might put things on trains, they have to come off and go on a truck to get delivered that last mile. This is So if you follow supply chain people, and speaking of supply chain people, if any of you guys are on Twitter, follow a guy named Huntsman. At oh, yeah. oh, he's a friend of the show. Integrated. He's been here for many episodes. Yeah, he's fantastic. I'm in communication with him all the time. He's the best logistics guy. So anyway, yes, trucks are inefficient. For certain things, trains are inefficient for others. It all depends on where you go, how much you're carrying, and like what what you're doing. So, you know, all rail yards eventually offload onto trucks and then the trucks take it locally. Same thing with ships. They unload containers, the container goes to the port, it'll go on a train, X number of miles, comes off the train, goes on a truck. So like you're never gonna get rid of trucks, right? Right, right. That's part of the deal. You know, there's a, you know, trucks are sort of efficient up to 800 miles, but it depends on the rail network. It depends on the country. There's all these other factors that influence it. Okay. The second part of your question is about automation. Yeah. I've been following the work of this guy, Steve Vichelli, who I mentioned earlier in the show. I had a discussion with him on the what's left podcast about automation and all these other issues related to trucking. This was like before the freedom convoy came along. This is several months ago. Steve Vichelli's book, The Big Rig, um, Trucking and the Decline of the American Dream, is a fantastic read. If any of you guys are interested in this stuff, go read it. He, this, this, this guy is the dude. It is the definitive work on trucking and labor. Okay, so as far as automation goes, I think the automation pimps are out over their skis just like the government is. They're making claims and promises that are a lot further away and are contingent on a lot more factors being in place than they're letting on, right? So, yes, they might get away with having trucks on four-lane interstates where there's, like, not that many exits and not that much traffic around, and so they go from Indianapolis to St. Louis or from city to city, and they they go to distribution centers in the outside of town. They're never going to be able to, like, replicate the human computer in our minds, which can like, you know, navigate the urban landscape, right? There, I don't think that they're going to have the technology to hang their sensors and video cameras and all the stuff they need for the sensors on the truck to interact with in off-road scenarios. Like if you're going onto an oil lease in Alberta, you're going onto a forestry road, all of this other type of trucking that happens out in the countryside in resource extraction circumstances that we never see, right? So, like, it, it's interesting. Like, it's, it's great that they're making these claims that they're going to automate stuff, but, like, 
what are they going to automate? What are the factors at play that are going to prevent that automation or slow it down from taking place that they're not talking about? So I think a lot of this stuff is like, it's, I, I don't want to call it fantasy because like, I, I'm not a Luddite and I'm not afraid of this shit, but like they're, 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 they're selling it too quickly. A lot of this stuff is a lot further away than they think. And there's a million reasons for why. Right. And so we, we need to be skeptical of the claims. Like, you know, I don't want to pick on Elon Musk, right? Like, Oh, his train thing is fucking ridiculous. That's never right. So, so I don't know too much about the guy, but like, you know, he's taking a lot of government subsidies for his projects. He took all these unsecured loans for his Tesla cars. And like, he's not the most honest operator. And I, 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 I don't want to do this, but I'm going to, I just want you people to look at what he's done and then apply that to the other, um, the, the other players in the automated truck market and remain skeptical about their claims about what they're going to be able to do, what parts of the trucking market they're actually going to be able to affect and like the, the, the physically what they're going to be able to do. And, and, and one of the things that is a, is a stepping stone between regular trucks as they operate now and the fully automated ones is in order to get these things approved, they're going to have to have drivers sitting in the trucks as a fail-safe. The problem with that is they're having a hard enough time getting truck drivers as it is, right? Because they've never dealt with their retention problems. They've never dealt with the material conditions. They don't want to pay guys, so they keep giving... The government gives these big trucking companies money to pay for their truck driving schools, and they cause this churn problem, and I've discussed this in other podcasts. They're going to require someone to sit in these new semi-automated trucks. Who the fuck is going to want to sit in a big truck for four or five or six or seven or 800 miles or however long while this thing is driving itself and not fall asleep and not be bored out of your mind in order to like take it over in case some emergency happens. That's fucking like, stupid. Might as well just no, drive the truck. It's just, it's just <laughs> like they've forgotten. <laughs> that? They've forgotten so much of the human element. And like, where what are you? The fuck? You can't find people to actually do the driving as it is, as it exists today. Like, you know why they want that cord? Because then they can bring in unskilled labor from the third world to sure, do that job specifically. That, that might be one part of it. Like I, I'm yeah, not. Like, I, I won't dismiss that. But like the, the, they're so far out over their skis, and it's because they never consider the human element. It's like they they brought in the electronic logging device mandate, and then a whole bunch of guys retired early because they said, well, "I don't want the government fucking tracking me." They just assumed that it wouldn't be a big deal and people would just accept it. Like the, the, all these big ideas, guys like Musk and the, the fucking idiots that brought in the electronic logging device mandate. Like they're, they are not me. They don't talk to people like me. They don't consider the human element. If you do not consider the human element as it regards to people's jobs and their labor and their willingness to engage in the economy, especially in trucking where like your job takes you away from your family, you don't get paid enough. And, and, and they just dismiss all of that and say, well, technology is going to fucking fix it. Like they're out of their minds. Okay. 
what I think would be good from uh, here on in, and Armand, I think you can actually be the kingmaker here. You could actually help us out much more than you realize. Uh -huh. You live in San Francisco. You know mm -hmm. many of these uh, uh, Silicon Valley uh, technocratic people. Mm -hmm. I think it's very important, number one, since hopefully, fingers crossed, we're getting past this uh, particular <laughs> stage that's been with us for the past couple of years. No. Going forward, it's going to be extremely important to have conversations with people like Gord with people who are more of this technocratic uh, class, because I think Gord's absolutely right. There is no such conversation that ever takes place if people are just in their bubble. What do you think would happen if such a conversation were to take place? And again, not like the whole arguing back and forth about all the stuff that we were talking about, but more about the future, more about how do we prevent the government control? How do we prevent needless implementations of these tech devices as Gord was saying, whether it's tracking, whether it's things that are not going to reduce the carbon uh, footprint that much at all, but are just done for who knows why the <laughs> hell they did it. But like all that stuff needs to be discussed in an open forum with both sides. And do you think that something like this, Armand, can uh, can start to happen from here? No, I mean, uh, speaking of uh, being like in San Francisco in the hard tech industry. So when I first moved here, my roommate worked at Uber. Um, and from the beginning, the whole plan was like, oh, we're going to, like, we're two years away from driverless cars. And, and then every year, it's like, oh, we're two years away from driverless cars. And now it's been like seven years since that. And they're still, you know, <laughs> just about 20 years ahead. Like, uh, although I do see them roaming around, they test the Waymo cars. So you occasionally see these driverless cars around the neighborhood, but it's still, like it's nowhere near prime time. And I think a lot of that, those things could be avoided if we had more conversations like this, like like Gordon's saying about like actually the human element, talking to people on the ground, people you don't necessarily have think you have that much in common with, right? Like I prior to this conversation, you know, I can't speak for you, but I probably would have had certain perceptions about you that I think I figured up and like understand your perspective more hopefully like you probably think i'm still a liberal shithead that's fine no but, like, no 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 i don't like <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm sorry i got all uptight but like one of the like if, if i may yeah. the, the situation in canada like you guys are in the states whatever i'm in the states too i'm no longer in canada but i'm a canadian and i'm watching what's mm -hmm. happening at home and that's influencing like my reaction to the discourse and so pardon me for being a little bit like uh yeah, uh, I'm very trigger happy. <laughs> yeah. no, we all, I, I think we all at a certain point let the ideas that we have speak for us in terms of like we all end up becoming in a certain way talking points speaking out of people as opposed to people speaking with people. And it doesn't mean that certain talking points won't be right and certain ones won't be wrong. But we do forget, I think, that we're all people here. We're all trying to figure this thing out. And I think all of us are coming from, uh, you know, good faith, trying to see what is the best thing that could be done. I mean, you know, my opinion with the government creep and all that. And I honestly think that Armand and you actually do agree on a lot of these potential dangers. I wish... My only wish is for Armand to treat it maybe a little bit more like have it be even more in your head, Armand, as far as the day-to-day -day things. Because there are certain small butterfly effect type things. Like you can speak with your friends about certain dangers that you see in a lot of this uh, tracking in the, the big tech censorship. And I'm sure you may have conversations like this. All I'm saying is kick it up a notch. 
because the more that people start to talk about this, I do think that it has a, uh, a compounding effect. Can I ask a Gorda question, though? Because you're talking about the American Canadian. And I, I totally agree with what you're saying, Lev. I'm just curious about this. I've read a lot of stories about how a lot of the funding has been coming from American sources. So how do you feel about like Americans like throwing all this money to support? It's a cause you agree with, but at the same time, it's like... Okay, let me, let me dissect that for you. Armand, it's a legitimate question. I'm not going to dismiss it. Um, the, 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 per, I, I, the percentage of money that was given to GoFundMe before it was like turned around and sent back to the donors at GoFundMe's whims and the percentage of money that was then collected by Give, Send, Go was somewhere in the area of like 80 to 90% of that was donated by Canadians. So it was a small percentage that came from outside the country. And sure, some of it came from Americans. And that's fine. But like, let us not forget that, you know, half of Trudeau's cabinet are creatures of the World Economic Forum Youth Leadership Summit. Half of like, who knows how much influence the like, NGO foundation nonprofit industrial complex has on Canadian society uh, or American society or any other sovereign government. So like on the one hand, I get what you're saying. On the other hand, compared to all the other money that gets like laundered into political processes in individual countries, it's somewhat spurious, right? Because like, you know, the Canadian media is making a big deal. Oh, you know, some rich guy and Republican gave 10 grand to give, send, go. Yeah, great. How much fucking money did, like, all these NGOs and whatnot influencing Parliament get from international billionaires and corporations? Like, it's it, in, in that light, it's a spurious argument. Well, I mean, yeah, the funding thing is kind of... Hmm. It's kind of rich coming from I don't know people that receive international funding, anyways. I mean, I mean, for various yeah. issues. I mean, I just like the whole thing that, again, it's another type of like importing American discourse into Canada, where it's like, well, I guess Russian fund the Russians of fund. Yeah, it's just <laughs> no, like. Well, I will say though that there's really accused the Russians of. Money. I'm not denouncing the money because some people are commenting. I just you made a big point about talking about how it's frustrating that American discourses like flooding into Canada. And I was like, well, there's American money. Like, how do you feel about that? Armand, Armand, the way you frame this about like the discourse coming to Canada and the money to come that's a valid question. Like I said, my only disagreement is such that like, there's so much other money coming in to all these other organizations that like quietly, um, influence legislation and quietly influence all these other things in society that nobody talks about. So it's just, it's very convenient how that came up, but not all of this other influence, which is a many more dollars over a much longer time period. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, makes sense. I also had a curiosity, Armand, before I was speaking about the World Economic Forum and the happy and I'm happy Geo reminded about the renting part of it. Were you aware about any of these things with uh, what we were talking about with the World Economic Forum, or was that not something you even heard of before? I'm not saying the organization. I'm saying like the the specific things we talked about. I've heard of it, but I mean to be honest, you know, and it sounds a little conspiracy theory to me, like. 
this like vague like World Economic Forum and Bilderberg Group and no, absolutely, it does sound conspiracy oriented. But as far as the stuff that this guy writes in this book, as far as for example Trudeau, who's part of this World Economic Forum thing too, praising Xi Jinping's policies and having the guy who runs the World Economic Forum praise Xi Jinping. You got to admit that that sets a bad precedent as far. Yeah. And the fact is that since this was sort of like dismissed for a long time by uh, media people as, oh, this tinfoil had a conspiracy theory who never even bothered even looking up the kind of stuff that Klaus Schwab writes in his book. That, I think, points more than anything else to the huge divide that's going on right now, where one side just thinks the other is conspiratorial, and the other side thinks that that side is never, ever going to listen to whatever they have to say anyway because they're all brainwashed. So, again, I know this is Star Trek posting, like somebody mentioned in the chat, me trying to be the mediator over here, but uh, I generally do believe that we have to start talking more and we have to start changing these ideas before it's too late and i don't think anybody's really done it to the extent that break the rules has done it break the rules.tv <laughs> subscribe right now patreon.com slash break the rules we are ending this we are ending this thing with super chats and by the way announcement new king of the super chat before it was okay now it's super iron bob so super iron bob 65 dollars. if you guys want to be king or queen of the super chat be sure to send in a cumulative amount more than six bucks. That is how much Super Iron Bob has cumulatively sent out in the month. And we may do like something special for Super Iron Bob or whoever beats him uh, at the end of uh, at the end of the month. Anyway, super chat time, and then we're ending this thing. Uh, ABC, uh, no, no. Before John Fiber, two seventy nine Canadian dollars. P P P Vani Pupachetti. Oh my god, that's All terrible. right, ne next one. Ne next one. ABC 12345639929. My Sneed rank is censored. Geo, stop DMing me waifus. I didn't know you do that, Geo. <laughs> All right, next one. A another ABC science is science is cringe post physique. Okay, speaking of physique, <laughs> we are going to have a stream tomorrow about the BAP about the BAP question talking about bronze age Just pervert. to be clear, I never I told Lev, please do not do this stream unless someone who is close to Bap defends Bap because I just don't want the hassle of. Well, and look who we have. Look I don't who want we to have. piss off Bap. Yes, look we have Zhp Love who got Zhp got into some hot water recently. Oh, hey, somebody in the chat here says, "Was Gore a quarterback in high school?" Did I read that correctly? Yes. Yes. All right. Uh, I did play high school football, uh, CFL rules, uh, which is more of a passing game because you only get three downs and the and the field is 10 yards longer. Uh, I played wide receiver, safety, defensive back, uh, special teams. I did not play quarterback. However, I did score quite a few touchdowns in my role as a wide receiver. Nice. Hope that answered your question. And also to Massive McGee, who says, I have sent in more than 10 euros, or is that pounds, cumulatively this month. You did, and you should probably see your name in the list here, the scrolling list. But you did not send in more than 65, <laughs> or else you would have been king you of the super chat. <laughs> you motherfucker. Anyway, no, no, I love you. Anyway, uh, next, uh, next one over here, super chat, we have uh, Super Iron. No, no, here we have Super Iron Bob. 
um, a couple. Okay, I drew. I grew up with sports riots. Be oh, I just said that. I grew up with sports riots being called riots. I don't acknowledge this false history. Next one, Super Iron Bob, ten dollars. Gord is the leaf that will break the rake. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you. I appreciate I, the sentiment. Yeah, well, you, you're familiar with the whole meme, Day of the Rake, right? Um, does that have to do with raking leaves? Well, okay, so on 4chan, uh, Canadians are called Leafs because of the yes. flag. Yeah. So Day yeah. of the Rake is supposed to be like this apocalyptic event for Canada. <laughs> America annexes Canada. <laughs> you well, go. you know, day, day of the Rake is upon us. Day of the Rake is what Trudeau is doing right now. Day of the Rake is the invocation of this Emergencies Act when there's no emergency, and he's agglomerating all these powers to himself. And like, I was thinking about going to Ottawa to join the protesters this weekend when the cops came in, but like, if I went to the border and got pulled in for secondary inspection on my way back into Canada, if they ran my name, they would see my writings in Newsweek and various other websites and my podcast appearances, and they would rightly conclude... That, oh, you're going to join a protest that's been declared illegal. Mr. McGill, step out of the car, please. And then they would call the cops, and then I would get hassled. And, like, it, it's within the realm of possibility that I am now an enemy of the state in my own country and can't even travel there whilst this Emergencies Act is invoked and in place. Right? So this Day of the Rake meme, it's happening. It's happening fucking right now. Mm. It's uh, self-inflicted. And I, and that does bring me to one last question I wanted to ask you, Gord, after the Super Chats having to do with... I mean, I'll ask right now and then Super Chats, then I'd love for you to answer. Just has to do with, do you think that Canada... I mean, like the title of the episode, do you think that Canada is doomed? Do you, What do you think is going to happen with the Trudeau government? But first, Super Chats. So that's kind of like the cliffhanger right now. And we'll, we're going to go to the rest of the Super Chats. Super Iron Bob, $5.00. As someone who can't be jabbed, I assure they're not protecting me, nor are they giving me accommodations. They are squeezing me uh, same as the willful. Yeah, I mean, that is the other thing. And again, I don't want to dwell on it too much, but there are people who have certain physical yeah. constraints where it's just it's impossible or else some horrible thing would happen with them. <laughs> and that's something that a doctor would be able to prove. And there doesn't seem to be any kind of... But anyway, Massive McGee, two pounds, Armand... I th oh god, come on! <laughs> All right, Reed, I can take it. Okay, Armand, <laughs> I think you need a testosterone booster, bud. <laughs> oh no, that's mean. Armand, Armand is doing great. He's put up yes. with this far. He's exactly. Fine. Yes, look, this is like stepping in the ring with <coughs> Mike Tyson or something. Like, see, even I'm coughing. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, no, 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 Armand, seriously, the fact that you come on Break the Rules, it really does mean a lot. You're not like that lady who came on with sticks and she got all upset who worked for Pete Did uh, Jessica ever talk to you after that again? No, no. no. Uh -oh. <laughs> she got fucking ass blasted that time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we had Jessica Deloshan, who's like a DC staffer. Yeah. And uh, she, like... And sticks was sticks being me. I guess he wasn't. No, was he being that he was mean? being no. He was being playfully <laughs> mean. He was being kind of like you know, kind of like yeah, yeah. You know, he was being sticks. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, he's never he's never so mean. Like she got her. like yeah, like ratioed pretty hard, and then like I don't know. To, uh, like I mean, I felt really bad for her, but then she was kind of acting like you know, 
I don't know. Well, she, well, she, well, she was acting like everybody was against her because she's a woman, which is ridiculous because Break the Rules has women on all the time who are wonderful with the chat and everybody vibes with everybody else. It really comes down to ideas and no, what I, ideas you're putting out there. And I'm I think a man that's... and I get ratio. <laughs> yeah, but she just let it get to her. I think that was the pro because before, like, she was a hero on that one stream, but then now. When she came on with Sticks, like Sticks was just going into into it, and uh, anyways. Mm -hmm. And by the way, Armand, if you want more people on your side, you got to bring more people on your side. And this I is also what I'm trying. Yeah. This is what I'm trying. Yeah, we've to had literal do. porn stars on the stream. They haven't. They weren't like ratio. They didn't like. Well, I guess they were ass blasted after the stream. <laughs> wait, <laughs> wait, Gio, Gio, wait, porn stars. We've had members of the Atlantic Council on Break the Rules. Okay, beat that. <laughs> Oh my god, yeah, that was fun. That was a fun stream, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and again, like some... Uh, you get porn stars and you have horse. <laughs> oh, no, come on. No, no, hold on, I gotta do it. They, and they do it for free, unlike porn stars. No, no, yeah. I wanna do an advertisement. So this is uh, Vladimir David Zahn's like, book. derogatory towards sex workers. I, ju I, I just got it from Odessa with Love. Oh. Uh, please buy this book. Actually, he's, good a, he's book. a great guest. I should guest. get it. I should yes. get it. He's a he's a great guest and uh, and or again he was a, Janet. Oh he was, no no he's going by. Come on, yeah, be respectful. By. But anyway, no. What what I'm trying to say here, fellas, is that we had Vlad on and Vlad's a wonderful dude and some people yeah. agreed with him, some people didn't agree with him. But that's what happens, you know. It is a battle of ideas and uh, this is the nature of by the, the beast. Way, this is the ocean. Sending power and strength to Putler. Heil Putler, Heiler Victory, <laughs> for greater, for greater right. Russia, me, not this uh, dumb uh, bullshit, greater uh, Russia, Heil Putler, Heil Putler. Let me tell you the reality of the situation, Gio. Heiler Victory! Let me tell you the reality of the situation, bud. Let me, let me give it to you straight, buddy. Okay, here's, here's what's going on, okay? Putin fucked up. Because he's taking the one part of Ukraine, and this is the dirty little secret that How Ukrainians that Ukrainians don't want to talk about, but I'm going to say it. The dirty little secret is that there are certain parts of Ukraine that the Ukrainians wish somebody would take from them, because this is the part that always conflicts in their votes to get into NATO. As soon as those parts are gotten rid of, I'm talking about like Dantes, Lubens, like those areas, which are run by a bunch of warlords anyway, as soon as those areas are taken... All the problems of Ukraine are going to be over. They're not going to have the vote overriding when it comes to joining NATO and so on and so forth. If you look at the faces of the generals right now that are around Putin, they're scared shitless because there is no winning here. If he goes into these areas, well, all their bank accounts are going to be taken. I mean, that's the one thing about like the big government overreach that I do like, the fact that you can actually take these big bank accounts away from the Russian oligarchs in case they invade a country. But anyway, that, that being said, this is not a Russia stream today. So moving on, moving on to the final Super Chats. So, uh, here we go. Uh, Super Iron Bob, $5. Armand deciding poison data that considers people whose status cannot be determined as in one camp inappropriately. Oh, there we go. Uh, ABC, the human element, uh, that's $2. The human element, anti-Gnosticism. Super Iron Bob, in big tech, I constantly remind peers that Gord and Geo are our customers. They already like Lev and Armand. I mean, I guess they like me because I'm nice. I don't know. If if, if they knew like my 
opinions that I express Wait, they, on Break who, the Rules. Who likes you, love? I don't know, like big tech people. I don't know. Oh. I'm, I mean, if they knew like the opinions that I express on Break the Rules, which I would still consider to be classic liberal opinions, I don't think they'd like them. Uh, Gord, I was just saying, and we're going to end this uh, very, very quickly, I was just saying that the big tech people, there was this um, Super Iron Bob uh, super chat that in big tech, I constantly remind peers that Gord and Geo are our customers. They already like Lev and Armand. But my only retort to that is that if they knew my opinions, I don't think they'd be on my side. And I'm not saying I'm a radical person. No, well, here's the thing, man. Like, you know, I can disagree with people. And again, you know, apologies to Armand. I got a little bit unhinged earlier, but I'm feeling very sensitive about this. But like, I'll talk to anybody. I've been on two explicitly Marxist podcasts. I am not a Marxist. I have talked to people who are libertarians and anarcho-capitalists. I've talked to populists. I will speak to anybody. I consider myself a friendly guy. Like, I, I don't care what the rest of y'all think about other things. I'm here to defend the Freedom Convoy and to defend their demands for people's bodily autonomy. That's it. I can't comment on anything else. And I'm not going to dismiss you or Armand or Geo for anything else. That's beyond the scope of what I'm here for. I'm not going to do it. And I extend that to everybody else. Thank you. And that brings us to our final super chat from Super Iron Bob, $10. To give praise where due, thank you for coming on and building the bridges and understanding that we all need. Well, that's what Break the Rules is all about. That's why you got to subscribe, become a patron, patreon.com slash break the rules, add a like. And add the uh, bell. Click the bell. The bell is extremely important for the algorithm reasons. So is the like. So final question, Gord. What do you think is going to happen with Canada? What Trudeau are Canadians going to take this lying down? What predictions the next several months? Oh, man. Well, I am not 100% confident that the Senate is going to squash this. You know, it passed the House of Commons last night. And it might just pass the Senate. Um, a few of the senators are political appointees. Unlike the United States, Canadian senators are not elected. They're appointed by whatever prime minister happens to be in power when some other senator retires or dies. Um, I watched some of the Senate debate today on CPAC, and some of the rhetoric coming from some of the senators indicates to me that they're completely missing the point and they are captured by the same narrative being pushed by the media and having been pushed by those members of the House of Commons, which is inclusive of a whole lot of lies and misinformation. Uh, if they do pass this and Trudeau gets his full 30 days of Emergencies Act, um, we're kind of fucked. And I have spoke with legal counsel in Canada, some friends of mine that are lawyers, and this is going to be litigated until forever. There's going to be inquests and councils and lawsuits and charter challenges. Like Trudeau's basically given hundreds, if not thousands, of lawyers a career for the next decade because of his actions. And the problem with that is, is it'll be great to see some accountability but it will be too late. The damage will have been done. You know, like the, the, the damage he's already done to the banking system. Like who's going to ever want to do business in Canada when this fucking imp can just say, well, 
I'm just going to send the cops after whoever's doing business with you, you know, at my discretion. Like this is this is dictator level stuff that people haven't considered. And I don't believe that our representatives have considered either in the House or the Senate. So, I mean, my prediction is that we're in deep trouble and the trouble is going to go on for a while and the lawyers are going to be litig litigating this ad nauseum for many years. That's my prediction. And do you think that there's something that may happen in Canada, but in general in any place where the draconian laws get passed, that at a certain point people would have enough if there is no recourse? Do you think that society, like to put it, no, not, not fat posting, but <laughs> society is going to get to the point well, where things the, are going here, 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 to thing. be a lot harder? So, so something a friend of mine said to me today, And something some other people have also said is that when dissent has been criminalized, when the entire media apparatus and the government apparatus has lied and smeared us as much as they have, and these people get backed into a corner and get left with no other choice, expect fireworks. I'm not saying that it's good. I'm not saying that it's going to happen. But, like, just look around. It, it, it might get spicier. And this is what break the rules in its own way is uh, trying to prevent from happening in all various facets by having people speak to each other. So we will continue that. And uh, Gordon, thank you so much. Armand, thank you so much. Of course, Gio, thank you so much. We got to play the Fez game at a certain point. You got to put something <laughs> under that Fez so that you could take it so that people can guess what it is. And whoever gets the closest wins a prize. But anyway, I have some underneath right now. <laughs> oh shit it's my tagging marker no ah, you i don't do that it. anymore though i don't do that anymore all right uh, well anyway this is the end of the stream i appreciate everybody for listening once again add a like subscribe please subscribe right now add the bell click the bell as always patreon patreon.com slash break the rules by the way gord are you into woodworking carpentry things of that nature uh, i've dabbled in carpentry yes Well, my father, he is a very incredible uh, woodsman. Oh, that's a weird way of saying it. He creates these very beautiful uh, wooden magnets over here. I mean, he does a lot of great stuff, but you can see on the screen right over here. Yeah, these, I see uh, that. These magnets, maple, mahogany, ashwood, cherry, maple. So these could be yours when you become a $20 uh, uh, patron. These are very beautiful magnets. I'm going to put them on the screen for you guys to see. Here they Paying are. Paying the bills, buddy. Paying the bills. Yes, look how beautiful that is. <laughs> for uh, for $5, you're going to get the MP3s of the episodes after they come out. You're also We are going to have, by the way, next, uh, not this coming Monday, but next coming Monday, we are going to have a very interesting uh, stream. And this is going to be with, uh, with this gentleman Uh, named Emmanuel Charles McCarthy, who preaches the nonviolence uh, gospel. So, uh, Gio, have you heard of this gentleman? It sounds vaguely familiar. I have to look him up, but I think I've heard of him before. So I'm yeah. just going to post a video real quick over here for you guys to, uh, to look at. And this is going to be for not this Monday once again, but for the following Monday, patrons only. So finally, we are going to have a Patreon-only stream coming up. You are not going to be able to see this anywhere else. And for $50, you are going to get a very beautiful magnet from... Oh, uh, $30, you're going to get a beautiful print from Gio Penichetti. And you did a truck print as well, right, Gio? I mean, that's yeah, not the one that people are getting. Yeah, wood engraving, yeah. Yeah, wood engraving. Mm -hmm. 
So be sure to uh, be sure to get that, and uh, you are not not going to regret it. And fifty dollars patrons are going to get a very beautiful. If you're a fan of Sticks Hex and Hammer Six Six Six, you're going to get a beautiful Dragon Sticks magnet, or you can get a custom wooden magnet of whatever design you want, plus a Warhammer Forty K figure courtesy of Jules P. Hamilton. Plus, you are going to get another another painting from Geo. And you are going to get our eternal love. So thank you very much for watching. I am ending this right now. Really appreciate everybody being here. Mwah! Good night, everybody. Thanks Stop so much for having me.